Tina, how you doing? <laughs> what's happening? Not much. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. So what's going on? Not much. Just copying the last wrath of COVID, I guess. Man, I was me and you had a pretty good chat at Lab Six a while back. Um, for those that don't know, Tina is a DJ producer, and you teach at Lab Six as well. Yeah, yeah. So teach just the music side, not DJ. Yep. Music production. And um, yeah, what was interesting is. I've done all the lineups that I've designed for the last like two years you've been on and always none of them have gone ahead. I know. It's a bit of a sad truth. <laughs> yeah. It sucks because it feels like you are at that point where you're actually like really primed to go and do it and have like the career and, you know, make moves and be on the festival circuit and stuff. Like, 100, yeah. I've been like in a similar spot myself before and it's like, all right, well, you know, these bookings are going to start coming in and then you just – I mean, in your case, it's COVID happened. You can't travel. You're worried you're not going to be able to get back in the state and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it must it's, be pretty fucking weird. It's, uh, I guess at first it was kind of like COVID was this huge thing that was crazy for everyone. We're all trying to like wrap our head around it. So at that time, it didn't seem as kind of significant. I was just focusing on the fact that, you know, the world was having a pandemic. Um, but literally the month that it got declared was a month that I was going to start touring, which like, the whole time I had worked hard for and I measure my success through touring and festivals because that's just you know we all measure our success in a different way and that was definitely one of my big goal goal post um, like moments um, but then like for the first six or seven months I didn't I wasn't like too stressed about it I thought we we're going to get through it in a lot faster than two and a half years and um, I guess other when one door shuts like other ones started to open and in, in other avenues and it also gave me a bit of time to actually work on production and and get really good like I'd say I've, I'm becoming like a, you never get to like the point of being amazing at something like this like you constantly keep growing but in that time I was able to really hone in on like the technical stuff uh, but it really started to take effect probably like seven months ago when it was just like constant shows being cancelled giving deposits back um, when I was putting on my own show and then I was losing money on that and then I was seeing a significant amount of money being lost and I was not trying I was not in a position where I was recovering rather I was starting to get a bit under the saving bracket that I had had and um it just takes its toll it's just like getting kicked down so many times I finally hit my mental health um probably more so towards the end of last year and probably like the first month of this year so yeah who we are and sorry I think it'd be like hell difficult to pivot in in the field that you're in you know like I think uh I see a lot of similarity in like stand-up for example like when you go and see a show it hits different so if you were to try and like get smart around oh let's do it maybe virtually it just doesn't streaming shows you see you saw people sort of try to do it it doesn't work it doesn't i I was doing the streaming thing not not live but i was doing video music mixes uh prior to all of that so do you guys know takaka the videographer so he's been a really good friend for a long time so we decided to start body control which is now the established show um as i moved in a different direction when i realized that there was no monetization and in doing these live well, they weren't live at the time, but video mixes on YouTube. Yeah, because you you get copyright strikes, right? Or you well, that to- was, yeah, the issues. And then also like pushing people off Facebook and social, like Instagram and stuff is not that easy. And mm. if that's anything that was happening on YouTube, you know, I wasn't really a YouTuber. Like that's not my content creation. Mine is being in the studio and writing music. So it was kind of doing a right 
in the fact that it was something we could talk about, like my agent and my manager could be like, she's not only just writing music, she's got this uh, video mixer, she's got body control. And it was a platform where, you know, the real fans could go to and, and watch these uh, mix series whenever they want, you know, just put it on in the TV when you have a party and stuff, which given it a visual aspect, I kind of was at a point where I was like, oh, people aren't doing this already. Like it, is, it does cost a lot of money. So maybe that was it. Um, but then when the live stream thing came about, it just made me not want to do it because mm. everyone was doing it and it made it not like a special niche thing anymore. So I did one live stream, but people pay a lot of money to come see an act and I'm just playing for free and they don't get the, which is, which is fine. You do that for your fans, but you're also not getting that face-to-face value, engagement, energy, like all of that. I'm playing to a, a phone or a, yeah. or a video. It was just not... My it's such a day. grind, man, because I know like I don't think people understand how like all consuming it is being like a musician and trying to be a musician because no one is a full time musician until someone's paying them enough money to be a full time musician. And I'm still not there, yeah. Yeah, and like it's you hit that point where you're like, Okay, well I'm gonna go on tour and you make fucking money on tour, mm. you know. Like if you book, you know, a fifteen, sixteen day show, it's that's it's six months worth of income. Yeah. And um and then also there's the, as you were saying, there's the sort of imposter syndrome of not being a touring artist and then breaking into that sort of market. It's it's so strange when you have to, you know, you when, when that is grounded because it had never really been grounded before. Yeah. And then for people to try and pivot into, into other lanes and stuff, you could see everyone trying really fucking hard because they... You know, when you're dealing with, are you on a label now? Yeah. And they're always like, you need to, you need to be on fucking TikTok and stuff. And you're like, uh. shut the fuck up. Like, but social media is a grind and that's like a big part of the job. If you want to be like a, a producer or you want to be a, um, a, music, a, a musician that's coming out now. Yeah. And it doesn't really gel well with, a, with that creative process. It's like, no. I don't really want to fucking photograph myself in the studio. I like, I don't like being on camera. Yeah. It's not, I, I always get anxious. I, I get less anxious paying to a 10,000 person crowd because at least I'm doing exactly. something I love doing and I'm, I'm engaged in it. When I'm on camera, I get all like paranoid and I, you know, I got to get over that. But I, I think that musicians, we're not, not all of us are like content creators. That's not, we don't want them to see inside our lives. There's a, there's a level of privacy that, we want and right now with the consumption of social media especially tiktok videos that are like these 10 10 second or 30 second reels where i'm not even you know when i'm on i understand it i'm flicking through three or five seconds if it doesn't capture me and so i've got to find a way to incorporate what i do to that so i can build up a a fan base there which sounds viable right but when i focus on that i'm not focusing on experimenting and delving into my music and actually crafting what it is that that represents me as an artist and yeah that's where the struggles get really hard because not only are you doing that you have the business side to think about and the administration and the releases and pitching and then you got the shows to play and you could be exhausted if you're touring because I had a couple of shows over East last year then I want to have a life and then I've also got to work to sustain my income to sustain this which is uh, most of my income is investing into music so it's a lot to juggle and balance and yeah, you can, earn, the, the best way I've learned up, up until this point is to find a balance. Uh, and it's like pretty much from going, from being in the studio, like right now I'm in studio mode. I'm prepping for a release and then I go to tour so that I know that they're going to be release mode and then that's going to be tour mode. And that's when a lot of content will come out just through actual authentic 
things that I'm actually doing, which is going to be and things easy. that are actually engaging, like seeing you on tour and like you. It's, and when, it's you're, easy. when you're at home, like you know, you might be in the studio and then you're at home cooking dinner or you're hanging out with your boyfriend or doing whatever. It's like I don't want to show that. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> and but then there's that that um sort of pressure to constantly be posting. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Like my label is actually pretty good. My team's pretty good. They understand that it has to be an authentic part of what I do they do make suggestions and they do obviously say that it helps but I got to this situation last year where I would enter different scenarios or I'd be racking my mind and thinking how can I add more content and how can I take a video of a scenario and and I'm I think I'm like that generation that didn't have social media in high school so I don't automatically go into a situation or a room and be like Hey, um, in my head, like, what can I do to, to take a good video in here? Yeah. I put my camera, I put my phone aside and I engage with my friends because that's what I'm used to and what I enjoy and get like, that's that fulfillment is actually what makes me be a better person or write music. So that I struggle with a lot. And when I do try to adapt and bring that into my life, I notice that it kind of doesn't, it doesn't make me feel good. And in the last two months, I, my screen time said I was down by two and a half hours a day. I have only done two posts and I told my team that I would, get onto it when things started kicking off um and my mental health right now is thriving my music and creation like creative outlet i've like done so much in the last two months that i probably didn't do much last year in comparison so that's my experience with it and i know that a lot of artists are now actually speaking out about it i see a lot of you know written notes or uh you know written pages being posted and it's artists expressing how difficult they're finding this now added pressure that's already on a musician um and yeah i guess some people it comes naturally you know mm-hmm. some people find that they're mucking around a djing take videos and post it and it comes natural to them but it's such a natural thing for that gen for the for the, the younger generation now and it's sick like it'd be awesome growing up in that because you'd like you'd be like oh i'm learning how to dj or i'm working on, on music and things like that and you would be kind of like engaging with people because that's that's how you speak to your friends right yeah exactly so but trying to kind of relearn that it's not like you're not old but you're you know like as you said you come up in a different sort of the tail end of a different era there also is like a thirst for like a deeper deeper understanding or like a deeper insight into everyone's lives like if you think back to sort of when i was a teenager or maybe even when you were a teenager i don't know our age gap but um you'd learn about celebrity you don't ask a woman's age (laughs) i was trying to (laughs) the way you learned about a celebrity was reading new idea or like women's day and you would get a glimpse of it but you wouldn't be able to really know like you don't know what's happening on their day-to-day um but now with with instagram and, and all the rest of it you're seeing constant updates in the most like intricate little details of these people's lives and i think that 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 thirst for for insight trickles down so it doesn't matter whether you're jonah hill or tina people that want to engage with you still expect the same level of like insight into your life access access yeah which is which is super hard for someone who isn't used to being jonah hill and he's probably fucking hates it too yeah but it's even hard it would be even harder for someone like yourself who to, to be able to deal with it and to be able to keep up with the pressure and like you said juggle a fucking job juggle all of the stuff that you're juggling yeah it's, it's like the last thing i want to do yeah. it's probably on the bottom of the list of uh-huh. the things i love doing <laughs> i know like a bunch of musicians and i know a bunch of like creative people and they're not their lives aren't that fucking exciting like but you see you're in a studio you don't get enough sunlight you know you sit indoors all day working on a snare it's not. I mean, I 
went in on Tuesday at 7.30 a.m. in my PJs. Didn't brush my teeth or anything. Do anything until 2 p.m. Exactly. And I was like, I should probably get up now. Yeah. <laughs> Go do something else. Just live streaming. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I look like a hot mess, but that's all right. <laughs> it's funny because it's, it's, it's funny when you think about this stuff because, like, as you said, like, everything needs to be within that five or ten second thing for engagement. And then there's also such a prevalence of long-form podcast material now. And it's like there's it feels like the middle ground is just getting completely abandoned it's like i work on projects for artist release and stuff and they're like no one's really making music videos anymore yeah they'll make little bits of content and they'll break that up into like 10 different 15 30 second things yeah but then people will give two hours to a podcast and people will even watch a podcast on like youtube or they'll scan on their phone and watch reels, which are like up to a minute. But that's kind of middle ground of like three and a half minute, five minute things. It just seems like it's like, I think it's not enough of a commitment. You know, like you're looking at, if you're on YouTube yeah. and you're like, uh, it's three and a half minutes, I'm going to have to make another decision soon. Yeah. <laughs> now I've heard you talk about this before. On it's fucking podcast, weird. Eh? It makes complete sense. It's like, okay, I'm going to lock into a podcast. I have two hours or to go, you know, clean my house and go pack up and go for a drive. That's yeah. literally me. And it's like two hours is like, cool. I know that even if I don't finish this, I don't have to make a decision in that two hours. I'm listening. I'm investing, getting engaged. Cool. Wicked. It's decisions made for me while I'm making a bunch that's, of my day. That's so funny. I, I fucking do that. I've never really thought about it until right now. <laughs> it's like I was doing it at home before. I literally watched a 27 minute clip of a dude playing a video game instead of something I was probably really interested in because I I was like, eh, I can just press play, leave it, and it'll just run. Then I can like fuck around on my phone or some <laughs> shit in the background. But you know, like touching on what you said before as well, like video, video, music videos. I couldn't tell you the last music video I watched. Well, we don't have like MTV and Rate. Who watches TV anymore? Yeah, no shit. So unless it's brought to us through another way, say you know, in background on Netflix or something, people aren't gonna tune into that that's not how we discover music anymore. Which is kind of really sad. Like you remember the My Dark Twisted Fantasy. Yeah, you know, the, Kanye thing with the piano and the ballet dancers. We'll probably never see anything like that again. You know, but you will see the next thing. Like, remember the video killed the radio star sort of thing? And yeah, like but on thirty seven, by default, the next thing's gonna suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you just can't be that. I think like where you you see the way that things go now. Like I've noticed it with music, and it's not to shit on it at all. But like new music, like like kids that are like nineteen that are proper musicians. Yeah, like that. Um. It's a girl. I got hit up to work for a girl and I was like, for the first time. Does it start with Lil or something? It was something like that. For like the first time maybe ever, I was like, I'm not taking any work. I'm just, I'm too busy. And it was through this this guy that I, a creative director that I'd done a bunch of stuff for before. And um, what's the girl's name? Does, have you heard down Central C, the rapper? No. Nah. Uh, he does like a remix of it. But she's she's great. And she, um, a Pink Panthers is her name. And like, she's massive. And her album is like, I think it's like 12 songs and it goes for like 22 minutes. That's so short. But that's what yeah. it is now because it's this, like this generation, minute, they're not looking at it going, oh, songs need to be three and a half minutes. They need to have, you know, intro, verse, chorus or drop or whatever it is. They're completely understanding of, people's attention span yeah you know like when we were doing nightclub stuff mm. you didn't have to think about what music to play or we didn't sit around strategizing we were just 
we just knew because we it was what we were into and you just yeah. have this like you have this unique understanding of people and you capture a moment and that's where the best music comes out as well like it sort of brings me to something else i wanted to talk about with you but when when you're in the club like if you're touring or you're playing shows or you're djing every week your ability to write music i found my ability to write music just went like through the roof because i had this innate understanding of what worked and what didn't and without even thinking about it it becomes a stimulation as well yeah well you're seeing it live you're seeing and you're feeling Mm -hmm. it so you're like playing some you you play some music and then you're like you can see what people are reacting to and you're not it's not like you've got a notepad but no you you understand it and then you're you sit in the studio and you're making something and you're like oh yeah that's the feeling that i get and when i see when i see this happen so i think that these kids are kind of growing up now on their phones or on their ipads seeing the way that content's being delivered and seeing what works and what they're attracted to and they're automatically replicating that yeah and that's why we're now getting you know tiktok one minute 40 songs yeah (laughs) yeah basically people that are like writing music for TikTok. Is it happening? It's a hundred percent happening. I'm I'm so disconnected from I don't know what I forgot. I was listening to another podcast and um not that I'm cheating on you guys on I <laughs> <laughs> oh, was it James Blake talking to Rick Rubin Maybe. and he talked about the way that music he has to write music now that's engaging in the first 15 seconds no it was uh, a producer who was working with a bunch of up-and-coming artists and they'll literally come to him and say i want a tiktok song i want a song that is going to be uh cheeking tongue Mm. fun uh something that's going to click on in in 15 seconds on tiktok so i can make it on tiktok but do you know what i and correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like these people are going to make it big on tiktok and have no roots in the ground they're just going to like make it big and then not be able to sustain it they don't like the 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 gratitude and the development i have made over the time as an artist like that is why i'm grounded and that's why i'm good to work with and that's why i work hard and like every new piece of success or instrument or something that i get is of huge value and and gratefulness that that's what actually shaped me as a as an artist so i feel like these people just put a song out get big on tiktok have all these followers like there's only so much you can take with it and maybe a small percentage will maybe they'll have enough of the understanding to actually form a, a, a solid project with it but i think others would just fall below the wayside i draw a line in the sand between content creation and art and I think making music and producing music like what you guys do, I put that on the art side. Whereas creating content, I don't really put the two together. So if you're creating a song for TikTok, I put that in the in the content creation bucket because it's not. It might, it may be, but uh, you know, from from um, like high level, it's creating something in order to like sort of elicit a reaction. Um, which may be like negative or positive in order to drive like views and money. Whereas in the pure sense, like creating music is meant to be, in my opinion, like a sort of distillation of you. So I, I kind of separate the two. Yeah. Would, would you agree? Yeah, 100%. Because when you are wanting any, any musician or, or producer or anything that is authentic, that connects to an audience in a way bigger and broader way than just being like I want to be famous and be on TikTok like we one thing I've learned through being in the industry for so long is that fans and all industry people can see such like straight through crap they can see if you're not being authentic and nobody wants to engage in that yeah so that that TikTok stuff like it might last while TikTok's a big 
you know thing at the moment it's going to bubble it's going to it's going to fade out just like you know instagram is its thing but it's not what it was a couple of years ago like they're trying to jump on the tiktok thing with the reels but you can only be one best at something yeah. so i feel like eventually tiktok will phase out as well the interesting thing that i'm finding at the moment is that people people want content so like you automatically have a platform like you will automatically be on a platform so you're on instagram you want more followers your kid social currency and you're popular at school which means that potentially you could be popular in the world right because you you just take that sort of thing yeah and then people are you know doing doing all of that sort of content creation and stuff and then putting out music becomes another way to add another layer to that content creation where you need something to sell yeah before it was like you made music so you had to promote that and then platforms were what you used to promote that yeah but now it's like you're already promoting yourself and the other things like music art fashion those things are there to promote you They're, they're there to bolster you yeah and like oh you know this sort of thing is trending like the dance the the dance like trend is wild to me and i'm not like repulsed by it but i see it and i'm just like this is so fucking strange because it's now a whole platform is based on people or it started off as at least as being based on people like dancing so you would have popular people dancing and then everyone else would try and do that same dance and then that went hand in hand with the song oh, like- so naturally the industry like i don't like the music industry i don't like it at oh. all like I don't I've, think anyone I've does. worked on three different sides of it and it's full of tasteless, soulless people. And then there is a lot of fucking people that have a clue and that are good, but they're like, there's very, very, very few of them. Yeah. And they always see things like that and go, okay, we need to capitalize on this right now because it's a music business. It's the same as you looking at um, selling IT infrastructure. To a degree, yes, but there is an interesting kind of uh, situation in the arts in that you do have two sides in that there are the creatives and then there are the side that wants to monetize that and they want to get a a return on investment. And those two are diametrically opposed to one another often, whereas in my business, like everyone everyone that works in my business is there to drive profit. Yeah. I mean, we like to to provide solutions for our customers, but that's just code for I like to sell stuff to customers to make money. I mean, the arts are, I think, one of the only things, I think, on earth where you have those two almost like um, fucking opposite ends of a magnet, like pushing away from each other in their thesis, but have to work together. It's, yeah. it's, it must be really very difficult. It's interesting because you do have like the artist that wants to be, and and I don't think there's that many like pure, pure artists. Like if you live past 27, it's, (laughs) but (laughs) realistically, like you have people that are the product and then you have people that are going to exploit the product not in a negative way. That's what they're there for. They're there to expose it to a larger audience, but the industry is always going to be there and the product isn't. So you will come and go, like I was talking to someone in here the other day and they were like, um, they book acts mm. and he said, oh yeah, I'm doing, we, we just booked a national, national tour for Faker. Do you remember Faker? No. Do you remember that This Heart Attack song? Yes. Yeah. Like that old, right? Mm. And they're touring and I thought, I wonder how, and he was saying how like 
Thirsty Merc toured or something. And I was just like, all these bands that existed in my peripheral for like four months, like 10 years ago. And I was like, they would all have jobs. And they're doing like this kind of reunion tour to be like, oh, you know, people might still like it or we can go and do it and it'll be something fun. But it puts this sort of spin on, especially with the Australian music industry. I noticed from being involved in it in various different ways for so long, before the before the big internet break off, there was like there was these positions that you could fill. It's like you were applying for a job. So you had like um, I don't know what came before Powderfinger because they're the first one that I could remember. But you had Powderfinger and you had like every tradie going like fuck, love Powderfinger. <laughs> and then it was like as they start to drop off, it was like okay, well, we need a new one. And then Birds yeah. of Tokyo were in there. And then it that tapers off it was like oh there's one australian rapper and then there's another australian rapper and that guy's not there anymore so it's like draft and then it's 360 and then it's like all that sort of stuff and you were just kind of finding that the industry here of the number of people who could buy records and the number of people that were interested in going to shows was only so big that there was only so much money that could be generated yeah and they try and bolster things outside of australia you have things like kylie minogue but it's been going on forever. Like they, all the pop stars that they brought out here all came from, the, they didn't come from neighbors, but all those industries were so connected that they were like, well, we've got this girl that sings and she's pretty good, um, like Natalie and Brulia. So can we put her on neighbors for a season? And then we can, you know, she'll play the footy grand final and then we'll try and. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. That's so molded. EastEnders or something. And, you know, that's how you break like artists back then. Yeah. And now it's, now it's very much more. I don't know, it's like smaller in a way, but obviously much bigger where you can just grab normal artists and just go, oh, well, you you know how to make music, you know how to produce music or you know how to do this and that. If you can also be interesting to people, then we can put teams around you that are going to blow you up. Well, I th- I'm pretty sure like record labels that are now listening to demos, obviously you have to be depending on the music, you have to be somewhat established for them to take interest because then you've done some of the hard yards. Mm. But I'm pretty sure a massive part of it now is like how many how many followers do you have? Are you a content creator? Are you on your socials on a regular basis? Do you have a special appeal, which I guess that special appeal has been around for a while, but now is it like actually showing front on a social media platform? And that's a huge, like you, when you say social media currency, that's like a huge thing to record labels and managers and stuff. If you it don't have that. It is at the moment, yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, I think not to like bring up the whole girl and male thing, but I think that's being a female who had a little bit of a following and could write music is what got me on the forefront of, of a lot of like managers and, and agents and stuff being like, oh, actually, you know, there's something here that we could as a selling point. And as much as I didn't really agree with a lot of it, it should definitely be based on credibility, whether you're a guy or a girl or, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's not it's your if you're not a marketing tool well if you don't have good music that might break which what's breaking music right now like yeah. what's what's breaking that you know since flume like what what really is breaking our market so yeah if you don't have the package then you know just it's interesting because they don't it, like <clears throat> in the in in that sort of side of the industry they used to do things like they'd find talent and then they'd go right we're going to build like a marketing um campaign around this and we're going to expose it like i was saying before and now it's like oh we need to find someone that already has an audience that also makes music that makes sense and i've seen it and i've been asked to work with people and i know people that 
I know really good producers from here that write other people's music. And what they've got there is they go, oh, well, you've got the audience and you've got the look, but your music's not very good. So we can make the music better. It's like a complete backflip on, yeah. on what it used to be. That's been yeah, going on for decades though, right? Like yeah. Yeah. Millie Vanilli. Depending on the artist, I guess. Millie Vanilli, weren't they fully? It was like before my time, Millie Vanilli. I just know it was a joke. They were manufactured. Like they, they just danced and looked cool and yeah. their music was, was just produced. I was watching a YouTube video the other day about industry plants. Oh. And the Kid Leroy. You know, like the Kid Leroy is like meant to be this kid from the ghetto here that was homeless and stuff. And that it was just like, yeah, he's dad is like a record producer that worked with shaggy oh my and his, god and his mom is like a um touring agent or something is that so legit? is that legit? yeah but, well i fuck fuck knows as far as the title of the youtube video i watched it well we said it on here so it's legit now i guess sorry i was just thinking like uh when you were talking about those old artists and shit like Powderfinger, um coming back out of the woodwork we might be on the verge as we come out of the the covid doldrums of like a touring gold rush. Yes. Because think about like all of these 30 to 50s that have been stuck in their houses for however many or two and a half years or something, haven't gone out and seen a live show. Suddenly fucking Wolf Mother decides to tour. And man, those tickets would fall high. It's people who have just been sitting at home in isolation going, I'm never going to hear like, What's a fucking powder finger song? Like I'm, not, I'm never going to hear my, <laughs> my happiness. happiness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just sitting at home, just playing on repeat, just like. So all those promoters that have been bitching and moaning for the last two years about how fucking hard they have it, they're about to fucking make yeah. bank. Or well, they were singing really depressing songs about how hard life was before the pandemic. <laughs> that is some fucking or, old or, school shit. Or I reckon the the backfire of that would happen, and people would just be like, oh, "I'm used to not going out, and I'm too scared to get COVID, and I'm too scared to do this, and." I reckon that might have a bit of backlash for a while. You reckon? Where unless you're like a fully committed, fledged fan, I reckon people are going to be super cautious now. I reckon that the the watermark will be how many people fly to Bali in the first three months is open. <laughs> if those flights are full, I thought about it. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. I reckon it's open season. As soon as those as soon as those floodgates open, it's fucking oh, on. But imagine like the pickpocketing and like they they must be. Oh, they but they 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 like self regulate that. It's crazy. The stealing, so, yeah, very much. Yeah, so. so like I was speaking to a, I love. I'm just making like such definitive statements here. <laughs> I was speaking to a taxi driver last time I was on the way home. Well, that's back, a that's, that's a, a great source. source. <laughs> I, played, um, I played that Lost Island or whatever it was. That was like a festival in but, Bali. Yeah, I think yeah. I remember that. And, the boys um, from Perth put that on there, hey? Yeah, yeah. yeah. One, of the, one of the girls that used to put on. Yeah. Some By the way, of, I don't think this is actually working. Oh really? I just realised. <laughs> We're getting, I was, yeah, we're getting levels. Mine are. It's, yeah. very, it's very quiet. My head was just hot because these ones are Yeah, yeah it is a bit hot. You, you, you don't fine. have to use them. Yeah. They're not really you here if there's no level. We'll cut yeah. this well, we'll rely yeah. on you, Josh. Sweet. Cool. But yeah, I was on that. Um, I was flying home from... I was, I was going to the airport on the way home from Bali after doing that show. And that was the first of the like... It was the first like international show I played was Bali. Yeah, so it was, like, international huge. As well. <laughs> touring um, artist yeah that's it <laughs> and the guy was telling me that there was some they they killed someone like the the locals had killed someone in it's like Seminyak or something because he'd been robbing tourists and they all rely on the tourism so much and there'd been someone that was like violently sticking up tourists and stuff and they're 
yeah, the locals were like found him and killed him. Oh my god! And they said, yeah, that's what we do. Because, that's self-regulating in yeah. Bali. <laughs> the problem I was reading about in um on that Perth now, which again, credible sources. <laughs> um, I but just learned like, today from Colby. <laughs> <laughs> the whole Arak thing in Bali, you know, like um the, the bootleg liquor full of fucking methanol. Um, oh yeah, I saw that. Obviously, like. They've been doing it tough with no tourism. The uh, probability that you might get served a lot of that shit um, would be would be pretty bad. Um, and apparently, like two shots can kill a grown man. That's oh, that's scary. Man, this is the new world. It's to be harder to be fucking harder to be alive. Just one, one, the strong survive. They're just like putting survival of the fittest guys. Just the first the one- thing is COVID. They're just like we're going to give you like a. A cold that's going to kill like 1% of people. And then they're like, and now when you go for a drink, one in four is going to kill you. Also, now we're paying back all the debts and there's inflation. And there's, oh, oh there's a war coming? Cool, thanks. <laughs> Man, there's going to, I'm waiting for the re- resurgence of the hippie movement. Like I read this book about that period, like the end of the, in the 60s. Yeah, okay. And it was all kind of this, everyone turning their back on, no one wanted to be in Vietnam. Like people were trying to look for a new way to run society and all these people were getting into their like 20s and there was like some forward thinkers that were in their 30s and 40s and they were like, man, society doesn't work. Like we should all just smoke weed and have sex. <laughs> and then like AIDS epidemic came along and like all that sort of shit. And then the, as the 60s ended, so did that movement yeah. to some degree. But it was like a threat to the security of America. They were like the Black Panthers and the hippies is like the end of democracy because they didn't want to go to work. They didn't want to, they wanted to, explain like a new way of life yeah but you did have this like period from what it sounds like where people were just like fuck i don't care like i'm just gonna you know i don't care about any of this i'm just i'm gonna subscribe to something completely different yeah and i had this like idea idealistic idea that that was what was going to happen after covid like we were all going to be locked away and and put around the shit that we bought and just be watching the things that we think are important and just be like, I need like human connection. I need to be free of this shit. And that there was going to be a return to like, you know, raves in like fucking country areas and just people being nice to each other and all of this. And it just, I was like, it's going to turn. It's going to turn. There is a degree of that in like the corporate world. They're calling it the great resignation. Yeah. So like people are just, especially like in my, in my um, industry, a lot of people are just saying, fuck it. I'm going to take, you know, one, three years off and just do things that, like, fill my cup um, instead of sitting behind a desk. You know what the problem is, though? That this is – they're the problem. So <laughs> this is this elaborate. Is, this is, like, how the gentrification of down south started. So, like, I was um, talking to some people that live down south and they're all moving further down south now. Like, they're in Dunsborough and they're, like, Dunsbury is now a, a suburb in So it's, it's like Cuda, Seminyak. Yes. <laughs> and they're just like all these people from Perth had, that had money had moved down. They maybe had holiday homes there or they're like, you know what, let's just ride COVID out down here. But then they got down there in such droves that people are, and that, you know, when you're in the line at Coles, people are like, hurry up. And like, it's just not the same as, as it was down there. And they're like, they've kind of been there for a year and a half now, two years and they're, the locals have yeah. you been to margaret river lately no i it, i hadn't been there for a long time but it is like it looks like Fremantle. really like there's a main drag and there's because they fully renovated that middle street yeah, yeah cool that's the last coffee time shops it. and restaurants and shit it's 
at least it's confined to that one street, so you still have like Preveley and stuff. Yeah, but 100%. still, the weird thing is like Dunsborough has a suburb, and like all around that area where the Dunsborough Lakes mm-hmm. is, and it looks like Woodvale. Yeah, it looks like the vines. <laughs> so strange. Joondal up uh, yeah. golf resort. Oh, do you mean like all new, like new it's just houses? New, just it's a housing estate, I you know. Absolutely despise that suburban block era, and uh-huh. I will refuse until the day I die to ever build do one of those land packages and build there or move out there. I would rather rent in Scarborough or yeah. move to Warpole or something. Cause Where do you live now? In Scarborough. I just like cannot do like whenever I just see those areas, I get like the hairs on my body go off and I'm like, nah, I, I don't mind living further out if it's a nice big property with trees that's unique and looks different to the house next to me. Uh-huh. But if it's like a block by block house, it just... Scott and I have been very vocal on this podcast about the land and house package in Dutch and how it's our worst nightmare. So I fully agree. <laughs> I haven't actually come across that yet. I'm glad we can relate. Yeah. It's 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 a pandemic. Yes, I think so. Just like put some fucking trees up. No shit. If Do they just had trees. Different. Like I love when you drive into Scarborough and, and Doubleview and stuff. There's just trees everywhere. Mm. And every house other than like the new units and stuff, but it has its own character. And that is what's like warming for me. That's where I, I'm in Woodlands. So just like down the hill. My absolute dream area. Do you own your house? No, no. I rent uh, a little <laughs> duplex, but fuck the, the rent escapades oh, we spoke on here of me about like looking for a new place oh i've heard they fucking rang me two days ago they've sold the house oh Dude, no is, they, no shit they, they asked if they could bring people through i'm like i'm not hiding my cat every fucking time you want to bring someone through <laughs> yeah it's like so i'm just gonna try and i'm my lease is up in june but these motherfuckers yeah, sent me it. my lease renewal and then two days later voided it and I was like, well, did you what? sign it? I hadn't, no, because like, I was like, I'm making wait because fuck them. <laughs> In, yeah, good one. <laughs> I wonder what it would have happened if I had actually signed it. But anyway, they, they voided it. And then he rang me. He's like, look, got some bad news. They're going to put the house up for sale. It's a two by one duplex, by the way, built in probably like nineteen fucking ten. It's it's the <laughs> old as fuck, which means it's getting knocked down. Yeah. Oh yeah, subdivided. And subdivided. Yeah. yeah. F- offers from seven hundred and sixty thousand dollars for the duplex. For, for it's because it's a woodlands. Duplex. Exactly. I it's literally like looked. Jack Adder is, and I'm just the street back. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm right there with you. So like next door to my house, well, our duplex complex next door to that is a guy um, who has lived there for like 50 years and he's 80-something odd. His brother lives next door and both of them have very, very <laughs> different houses. Now, nah, Frank's like an old Italian dude. Oh, yeah. yeah. Held good with his hands and shit, yeah, like yeah. build stuff in his garage. Um, but the most beautiful old like 19, probably 60s, 70s houses, they were probably built about the same time, very different, but just so much character in the two of them. I'm like, I could never live in those little planned out little theater no. room and ensuite. Fuck off with that. I have looked at some of the like packages lately and they have started stepping away a little bit from it. I feel like they've started to make it more character and mm. interesting, but still the front of the house is exactly like Sterile. the front of the other one or mm. it's just a, a different looking wall with a garden control c control v I, I just don't exactly with one thing moved around i just don't see the, the appeal in that it's cheap i guess mm-hmm. it's, it's weird because i've lived in apartments for like most of my adult life and i live in this one now it's quite nice because it's like got it's really fucking small but it's there's lots of trees and there's like there's a lot going on and then i bought i bought one 
years ago in the city and it's just a box within a bigger box and everyone else lives in boxes. And when you're lying there, like I remember when I first moved in, I was lying in bed and I just had this vision of what, because I know people who work on building those things because they've been going up forever. Mm. And before you put the the walls in that divide the apartments, it's just a con- concrete slab and then another concrete slab and then another concrete slab and they just go for like, they just sprawl. And you realize that you're just lying in that subdivision of this con- this concrete slab and someone else is lying asleep next to you just on the other side of the wall. <laughs> and it just fucked me up. Someone above, someone yeah, above yeah. as well. It's just a box of people. Or in your case, probably in the walls. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a story here I'm missing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You'll you're have not, to go you're back not fully through, up to date. Go back through the catalogue of the podcast oh. and listen to the Airbnb story. Oh, yeah, Airbnb it out and it's had some sketchy, sketchy stories. Oh, what a- oh I spoke to someone uh, yesterday. I had a beer with a colleague of mine and I told him the story. And he's like, yeah, definitely crackies. He reckons, you know how they colored in the LED, the, the downlights and yeah. you couldn't figure out why? He's like, they probably thought there was cameras in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, that no. made so much fucking sense to me. Same with the, uh, maybe the thing, uh, fucking smoke alarm. Yeah, there's definitely been some. Crackheads, man. There's That's the worst thing about owning a, I've heard the story many times. People not paying rent and running down the house and yeah. not letting you in for your rent inspections. And it takes a while to be able to kick them out and stuff. Yeah, I've heard that. Like, it's not so bad. I mean, the Airbnb side of it. At least they I, come and I go. I just leave it and just kind of hope for the best. I don't know how there's these terrible landlord stories. I feel like if I hung up a, f- a picture in my house, I'd be hauled off to the gulag. Mm. Like, they're, they're <laughs> fucking... <laughs> Maybe you just follow the rules now after Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Just like just sitting on the floor me. waiting for him to open the door so I can come out of my room in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Bowing. As long as he's not sleeping on the floor, you're like, yes. <laughs> I did want to ask you about like the whole female in um in probably a male dominated industry. How long how long have you been like doing this and did you feel when you started that there was pushback based on gender? I think I've had a bit of, bit of a different experience because I don't really focus on – I am not. I wouldn't say like a true proper feminist. I'm just a go-getter and if shit doesn't work out, I move into a different direction kind of thing. But I originally started DJing because I realized there was a massive gap in the market and I was into it. I, in high school, would like make mix CDs for people so they could discover new music and not just listen to the same old R&B that we're listening to. Or I wasn't really into punk. I did like a lot of punk for a few years, but as soon as electronic music came out, I was like, whoa, this is a whole new world. And then um, when I started, I knew, you know, the metric guys. Mm -hmm. Um, I was really good friends with Alex and Tay. So I had a bit of an introduction to the music industry scene in Perth at least and um yeah crazy that used to come to doors here and stuff like because I, <laughs> I didn't want to my part all my friends didn't want to wear those freaking dress shoes That's it was so like going good. against our moral high ground so that was amazing thank you um but I think because I have a bit of like an obnoxious attitude I just asked I'm the type of person that's like I live by a quote that your life can be measured by the amount of uncomfortable conversations you're willing to have. And I've got a few other quotes live by, but that's definitely one up there. And so I would just put myself out there. And what I realized was males weren't not booking females because they didn't want to. 
they just weren't booking females because there was no option. And mm. at the end of the day, you're trying to sell tickets. And this is where that credibility comes into it. If if males were personally not booking girls because they didn't think that they were credible enough, that's where I was like, oh, okay, I'll just prove that I can. Because I worked hard. Like I wasn't writing music at the time, but I knew how to DJ. I'd been DJing for a long time. So I was like, well, give me a shot. And it was actually uh, Harrison Kennedy. What's mm-hmm. his last name? Harrow. 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 He gave me my first set of cheek, gave me prime time. God, did I practice for that set, but <laughs> I smashed it. And he was like, you can play here all the time. Yeah. So I did the grind. And then from then on out, I just asked. Like if Luke was doing a big show or something, like, you know, I wasn't I wasn't good friends with Luke. Asking him for a show didn't make me, you know, I wasn't like, hey, Luke, Ladsy. It was more mm. like, Luke, if you put one of those shows on, can I, yeah. you know? And then I was putting out music and I was doing stuff and I ran a Kuna club. So like I, I put myself in a position where either – I was it was it was too hard to say no because you know I, I was one of the only girls at the time that was actually pushing it or I like you know just was there and asking so they were like yeah okay I'll you know give you a chance kind of thing and if anyone was curious like I, I think one of the hardest parts was putting out music and people thinking that I didn't write it I knew that it, there was a, it took a while for that to shift that's such a weird such a fucking weird thing for people to think you know where they'd be like oh yeah because you're a girl you didn't write music it's like well that's why i shied I, like this is where social media was actually good because i could show videos in the studio and i could actually demonstrate that you know i teach music now like i yeah. have to be doing this for some while so that was probably the only issue the advantages of being a female was the fact that when and i don't agree with this whatsoever but you know the whole like 50 50 lineup it meant there was a lot of opportunities for me to jump on and you know if i can capitalize on stuff i will I, I will and i i got to the point where we we're like we don't want to be the token female anymore so give us better set times because we know that you're adding us to the lineup and i didn't even know this until this is why you have a manager but he was like yeah you're like the token female at the moment and I was like, well, great for opportunities, but I also don't want to be the support slot anymore. So, mm-hmm. and obviously I've got to, you know, they might, this is where your manager at some point says, well, we've got to put more music and get uh, our lane moving a bit further, get that momentum. And it's like, cool, okay, yeah, I'll do what I need to do. Um, but yeah, I don't want to be that token female that you're talking about. And if you are, it's you, it's just opportunity anyway. It's well, like, yeah, I'm going to fucking smash it. Like if, I'll put, put me in front of people and I'll, cause that's the whole thing when you're making music, right? It's like, well, put me in front of people and I'll convert them. Yeah. That's, that's all you want is you just want to show up. So if your shot is because like you're friends with other artists or your shot is because you're female or what, whatever it is, it, your shot can be absolutely anything. Or back in the day, like win a band comp or something like that. Yeah. It's like, you got to capitalize. It's what, or you're an actor with an okay voice. Yeah. All right, we'll make you a singer. Exactly. It's weird. It was weird because when that era that you talk about, it was never really discussed and I don't know, because I was just a fucking a male, essentially, promoter at the time, there was never discussions of, like, we need more female DJs. It was like we were lazy, like everyone, so you just kind of – everyone that played things was my friends. Exactly. And then we had, like, we had Nat Dawes and, like, quite a few girls play Dorsia, like, every week. And there was there – was yeah. because we had the Rostics, we had, like, four club nights. Yeah. And there was three or four girls on there, and we would just – but it – wasn't it didn't really occur that they were girls it was just the they, was it like a DJs. conscious decision yeah yeah and, and it, it just wasn't happened. conscious it didn't feel conscious <clears throat> to anyone like it didn't feel like 
those club nights essentially run themselves. Like everyone's playing the same music technically and everyone's having a bit of fun. You just want people to be a little bit interactive with the crowd. Like we used to get a chan for being on his phone while he DJ, but like, dude, we'll just stop looking. You're a great <laughs> DJ, but you're fucking on your phone. And you see him like when he wants to, he would kill it. But then you play in that set where like the no room's one, yeah. not really working and it's like, you're replying to text. It's like the room isn't going to work if you are doing Unengaging. that. It's not just him. It was like everyone. Yeah, yeah. And you play that early slot and you're trying to push it. But it wasn't until quite a few years later where it was like people getting called out on things like, oh, the, you know, 50-50 lineups and, and things like that. It kind of maybe stigmatized that being the token female more because I don't feel like you were the token female at Akuna. No. You were a DJ. Yeah, and I was running the place. Exactly. Yeah. Um, trying to think. Um, I had a thought and I just lost it. Sorry, guys. Do you find <laughs> that you um, that you get a lot of support from other females, n- not necessarily in your, like, in your field? Just anyone? Just girls in general. I think it's changed in the last few years. Like you getting more? I just feel like girl, from my perspective, and maybe it's an energy that I'm blowing off, but like I don't want to. I don't. I don't. Girls are more competitive with one another. Like we compare each other with one another. It's just like kind of in a bio, biological ways. But I kind of got to this point where I was like, I hate it. I don't compare myself to guys. I don't. You know, if if a guy does really well, I'm super proud if you know if there's like a friend or someone that i know so i was like why do why do i get this ick when it comes to a girl and then i was like i don't like this so i just completely stopped and i support other girls i want i kind of if you want to do music i'm i'm at this point where i want everyone to do well i don't want to have a small puppy syndrome like some people do especially in perth um so i find that it's getting better maybe and maybe that's just an energy that i'm kind of putting out but i think as girls we're kind of starting to realize that we can either fight against each other or work with one another and the synergy is so much better if we just work with one another. And if I don't get good energy from someone, then I don't give them anything. Like I don't, I don't even case give them by a case basis. Right? Yeah, I don't give them a thought process. You know, I'd reach out. If someone reaches out to me, I always reach out back. Um, now, always- this is a bit of a hot take. So feel free to shoot me down if you don't think that this is true. But I'm yeah. going to put it out there because this is the vibe that I get. And I've had this conversation with one girl before. I find that females are very vocal about you know, wanting, you touched on being, not really being much of a feminist in the, in the traditional sense, but, you know, girl power and, and really fighting for female, like not rights, cause that's not the right word, but, you know, getting, getting female presence and getting representation for females, but girls are so less inclined to support other females that, aren't like aligned to their interests. So I touched on it before in this podcast about like almost virtue signaling. So it's like a girl from Perth who will bitch and moan about women not being included on lineups will happily post a link to Skims by Kim Kardashian and be like, how wonderful is this? Girl boss, girl power. But Tina in Perth who's busting her ass trying to make a living being a DJ doesn't even get a second thought like do you do you 
Do you think that that's a valid observation? Yeah. So I actually did, I don't, I'm not going to say the words of where and who in this, but I did a presentation one time and it was an all girls thing. And um, I think I almost had like a bit of an argument with the girls because I was like, why would we waste the energy on bitching and moaning about stuff when you could just do something about it? And that's been my attitude all the way through. And so when I see girls uh, complaining for all guys line up, those same girls are doing all girl lineups. So at that point, I said to my team, I'm like, I'm not doing all girl lineups because it, it's a, it's just like, I don't really care. I don't care. Like, I, you know, it's good being on with a couple of girls, but when they do it, I'm like, why? Because if you're, if, if we're saying you can't do all guy lineups and it has to be 50-50, but we're allowed to do all girl lineups, that's no wonder we don't have equality. So bitching and moaning, I don't, I don't know if this answers your question, but to me, it is just a waste of mental energy. So, you know, I might bitch and moan about the fact that I, you know, was depressed at the end of last year because I didn't know what I was doing in my life and there was no avenue to turn on. I'll bitch and moan about that. But when it comes to opportunity, it's all about putting yourself in a position where, for example, I would ask for a DJ set. I would ask for something. I would put myself out. I'd put a song out and i put it on Triple J on Earth and i promote it and i put myself out there. And in in, in all that, I probably lost friends and, and people who really didn't like it because they just don't like self-promotion. But fuck it, like you can't not do yourself because of that. And so I felt like I never didn't get opportunities because I just kept grinding. And I don't think anyone, if everyone, if, if, if any guy at any point went, oh, I don't know if she's good enough or credible, like I'm sure either proved him wrong or I never got booked again and like didn't give it a second thought. <laughs> Moved on with your yeah. life. Yeah. I, one thing with music as well is that, um, and, and I had to I had to grow and learn this, is that you can't make a song that's going to impress everyone. And if I'm keeping, if, I, if I'm trying to impress everyone, that means I'm not moving in my own lane. And so that's when I started trying to write hip hop because my friend loved hip hop or writing uh, drum and bass because my friend liked drum and bass. And it literally was pivoting between genres when I first started because I was still finding myself. <laughs> but then I kind of went, well, what do I like? And I was like, I love bass driven music. That's what, when I wanted to dance for when I was uh, 20 and taking lobbers and partying, like that's the stuff that got me. So I was like, well, that's what I enjoy writing in the studio, but I like a combination of that with songwriting, you know, with a good vocal and that kind of stuff. So I started doing that and now I found that people were just coming around to it and if they're not. People coming around to us is good. Like I exactly. used, I, I had to use, um, I was putting together the the origin video and it was that, is it Elevate? Yeah. It's banger. Yeah, like yeah. It's a fucking good song. Like I'm, the, you really actually recognize how good a song it is when you're putting it up against the rest of the lineup as well. Because oh, I like thought it stood out of, like a sore thumb. Yeah, because it's yours. No, because it's it was the only house track. Yeah, yeah. Everything but, was drum and bass. I was shit myself to nah, play that it's show. <laughs> it's, it's good because you, you hear it against everything else. And it gives you an idea of actually what the festival is going to be like. And yeah. I was putting together the video and I was like, oh, good. We have a good song to like fucking use, utilize. Oh, here. I'm you glad. I mean? It's but that's the thing is like the music industry for an artist is so fucking competitive and so it's so fucking unlikely to be successful. Like I've been in, like I'm making music still, but I'm not making music like I'm not pushing it as like my fucking major thing. I actually heard you say on one of the um, on one of the podcasts that for you putting that it was different to just doing like a graphic design job where it's, you know, it's not you, it's it's an objective yep. point of thing. And then when it comes to music, how emotionally attached you were and how that like was rocking you. Mm. Maybe not the your words that you use, but no, 100%. I was like, so the relatable, because that's exactly like, I'm 
always on this coaster of I'm excited to put a song out. So six weeks, I'm like, I'm on that buzz right now. Like getting me ready. I'm really excited. Finally get to drop a track. I guarantee a week before I'm going to shit my absolute pants. And then on the day, I will probably be like, did it get on Triple J? Did it get Spotify playlisted? This, this, and this. Whatever doesn't tick, I'll feel like shit. I'll feel like shit for three weeks. I'll be like, do I, you know, it might do well, might not. If it does well, great. I'll probably feel great. And I'm like, I hate that feeling it's a horrible but yet i do it again and again and again that's so funny like uh scott i think it was echoes when he just before well that the whole release for that took a lot longer than i think he did which i listened to and i think is great amazing but um he has never once like emailed me a design that he's done for a band t-shirt or some (laughs) shit be like hey man like, what do you think of this? Oh. Like, should I put, but he like, You're like your heart's on the line. Dude, we were at Street X one day and he's like, he's like, dude, come get in the car. And he gets in the car and he plays me one of the songs, like to try and gauge what I thought of it. And I could tell in his face, like he really wanted to know what I thought because you he get lost at sea. So man. much oh, invested in have, it as well. But also you got to remember that like most people don't, can't connect to a song from first listen mm. it takes multiple listens and that's why radios do well what well, radio songs is because you might be in the car not thinking about anything not listening to a song and being like i have to make an opinion of this so you listen to it and you've got this full objective point of view who's this artist god knows and then you're like oh there's like a groove or there's something in it that that captures you and they like shazam it and they go oh wow this song's actually really good so now when i show people tracks i don't go off first listen i, I go off like i'll send it to them then i'll play it again and then I'm like, what do you think? <laughs> and then let them form their own thing, which they're still going to form an opinion because I've asked them to. And someone's always going to make, if you ask someone to make a, an opinion, they will. Yeah. Like it could be like the, sh- the dumbest thing. Like not it, everyone's music is subjective, but so I know now like only send and don't ask specifics. Like what do you feel? What does this make you feel? Hmm. And then I might get a feedback of like, you know, the vocal is this or something like that. And I'm like, okay, cool. I... I never want feedback. I just want people to tell me I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> that is so arrogant of me. It's not really. It's, it's, yeah, it's, no, it's more so, it's like the, because you want to show someone something because you hit a point of excitement where you're like, fuck, this is great. And you're in that. And you know, it's not, it's not perfect yet or it's not mixed properly or it's not anything, but you just want to share that with someone and that just moment. be like, oh, I'm a, it's not like, am I on it? Like, it's like, I know I am. Yeah. I, because it, the only audience is me at that time. And you know the feeling when something's good. Yeah. It's like magic is happening and it's just, it, you didn't have to think about it. It's intuitively happening. And that's that's <laughs> honestly the thing that, like for me, that's honestly the thing that I found most enjoyable about the whole thing. Yeah. But Flow state. Th- th- it doesn't necessarily translate when it comes out. Like I've had people that I'd sent songs to. I did that Sanford remix, which was the biggest thing I did. You're welcome. And <laughs> you, Did you play up a role in that? <laughs> Are you gonna take ownership for this? Oh my god! Maybe he's in the credits. I literally sent him this Sanford track. I'm like, dude, you should remix this, really? and then he did, and it fucking it took. You don't remember? I don't remember that oh at all. Oh my god! <laughs> Have you been telling people this story? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Got played Pretty at Miami Ultra, didn't it? Pretty much run it with the Coachella and shit. I remember <laughs> it because I was so connected to it. it was and a- the funny thing was, I told him to do the Sanford song, but he fucking forgot which Sanford song and did a different one. Oh, and that's probably why I didn't remember. So just to decipher this, you told me to listen to an artist called Sanford? 
No, <laughs> it was on a Drake song. No, you plant, you, you planted <laughs> a seed. No. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that was the um, that was the 2015 version of a TikTok song, by the way. Yeah, it's like true. just remix something. Um, the thing that I always ask creatives um, is, and I I do a little bit with uh, like photography. Do you ever feel like something is done like if i i think about it like a painting it's like oh no. i could do a little bit more here when do you know when to stop do you know when to stop no it's it's like a, you have to get to a sign off date it's a release and, date that's it <laughs> well no because you have to have a song finished and like i've got to i've got to put it forward to my label and be like okay are we are you guys gonna just like put this out on your label do i shop it around like what do, do i self-release do i distribute it i got it has to be like a package like yes they'll work with me back and forth to maybe get a track ready but i feel like no it's so, never it's never and this is my biggest issue is that i don't even think i'm a perfectionist like god i live my shit everywhere around the house like i have the worst attention span in the world i have adhd just like you scott wow. i've heard all about it i cannot have routine i administrative like oh my god i can't finish anything so add that to like the equation so me finishing that's why i have i probably have upwards of like 800 songs maybe more and i i can't i just can't finish them so i'm getting to this disciplinary point now where i go i have to get it by a certain date and i probably have my first track that's actually i've written this year it's almost finished and i'm going to do my own full mix mix down on it usually i'll get someone to help me with a mix down because that objective second years is valuable mm. but now i'm just gonna i'm just gonna be like this is my first one where i sign off and to be honest i'll probably go back to it after a month and be like oh i should have done that or could have fixed this but once i sign it off it's like mastered i just go done yeah, like, it's out of mind out of like, i don't even really want to fucking listen to that song ever again <laughs> like if i have to hear elevate one more time like please shoot me <laughs> but um yeah so no i, I never feel finished and it's kind of like the pain of my existence as a producer because i can't switch the fuck off because i'm always like if it's not a song and how to because a song in a way is like it's a it's a it's a problem solving equation exactly. towards the end so it's a matter of like do i move this part here does that make it better or worse and when you've listened to something over and over you have to give it a break and then you give it a break and if you don't have that stimulation anymore, it makes it even harder to go finish that final 10%, which is the most painful 10%. And that's why producers don't finish stuff because you're like, well, <clears throat> excuse me, there's my voice. Something's not finished, something's not right. And if I'm not putting out, I've noticed out of the six or seven tracks that I have released over the last like five years, there's probably, probably three I was really excited about and really happy about and those releases went smoothly because i was feeling good about it the other ones i didn't and so the reluctancy and me wanting to actually self-promote it affected the whole release mm. so now i've got to get to a point where i'm totally 100 happy with it for me to be enable being able to get to that point and i literally last week scrapped a whole finish mixed and even i mastered it myself like just a home master and uh, it was a good well-produced track but then i was like i just don't think it's good enough it's not you can't polish a turd and i just felt like there was you know, had lacked in groove it's not something i would play out and i was just like no nah, this isn't it so i grabbed the vocal and started all over again <laughs> it was hard it's weird because i've got so much advice that i would give to people that are making music but i never took any of it myself so it's like completely <laughs> redundant but i wish that i just put everything out because you can't polish a turd but you can release it and people like shit 
And well, think about the SoundCloud days. Yeah, yeah. It was unpolished music. You could just put out and put out and put out because it's not up to you who, it's not up to you whether you like it. It's up to the audience. So I did the same thing where like, I mean, for me, when I did Echoes, it was fucked because like in the middle of writing that, I, I was a lot of pressure for me because I started doing music and then I got, you know, signed to a label and signed to agencies and things yeah. like that. And So the pressure like, came on to you before you even had a chance to really experiment properly. Yeah, fully. Yeah. And I was just writing, like I was just remixing shit and, yeah. and playing around with things. And then, yeah, then like my dad got sick and then there was all that sort of stuff. And when I was releasing the second single of the, I released the second single off the fucking EP the day after he died. Fuck. And it was like, not really going to be like, hey, prom- like promoing the fucking single. You no. know what I mean? It's just like a. Well, how's this guy? I was on tour when my dad passed away. Oh my so God. So I completely relate to like the sense of mind. Like you can't do anything. That's so I, far. I couldn't release the song after I went through a breakup, but you yeah. got to do it, right? You've got to like, if it's scheduled in, what do you, what else do you do? Well, that's what people don't realize is this shit is scheduled in before. It's not like you're like, well, you're, and your label's oh, like, put it out today. It's yeah. like, no, that shit's been Pitched. in the works for There's two and so, a half months. Yeah. Exactly. So you can't backtrack from it and you've got to do it. But how the, it's like a fake self-promotion and that's when the inauthenticity comes through. And so that that probably was a bit of a release flop, was it? No, oh, totally. Yeah. You didn't have the energy, nor did you probably care. No. And you don't really care about anything because you just switch off emotionally anyway it's yeah. like something that happens with grief i'm so sorry that happened That's yeah i think awful. we've lost our fathers the same way two yeah. years of cancer so yeah, well. i was already uh prepared in a sense didn't make it any easier but i think i went into a bit of a shock mental cycle for yeah. like you know i'm trying to be creative during that process like because people will be like oh you know you lost you lose someone and that's really bad it's like no the two years of like if someone turned to you now and it's like like if someone went, oh, Scott's going to die in 18 months, you wouldn't be like, oh, we're going to have a great 18 months. <laughs> You're like, no. fuck. Did you find, I found that like my worst mental state with it all happened a year and a half later because the first, it's just so everyone's on you. Everyone's like, you okay? Everyone's supportive. And then I was the executor. So I had to go into like sell a house mode and, you know, I had a stepmom who's just batshit crazy. And so by the time that all like signed off the dust had settled and that's when all of a sudden I was just like probably the most I don't know if I would say depressed but I was having like weird episodes where I just like mentally break out and I couldn't leave my room and I wouldn't go to something I was planning to go to and I was a very social person and I didn't really realize what was happening to me and so for a stage I was creative and then that happened and that's when I was just like not okay and I saw a psychologist and talk about my problems mm-hmm. and did it work I think the biggest thing was her saying that you're allowed to feel sad because to me, I'd been this strong person the whole time. Like I stayed on tour. I came home five, six days after he passed away and I, I was grinding. My dad was proud of me. So I was like, I'm going to push through and do this. Um, what was the other question again? I no, that's that's crazy. I mean, going through because that year and a half thing, like it probably, I don't know, it may be prolonged for me, but it was – yeah, I hit it like mid this year where I was just like, I was like, oh yeah, I'm fucking mental. Like I'm yeah. completely, I went so like I hung out with him and you would have just been like, yeah. You're not okay. Scott's on his way out. Like I was like, I just lost my shit. I didn't yeah. really know what was, because you, you hold too much in Yeah. because you don't, it's not because you're trying to be strong. You just hold it in because you don't really know well, it's where, grieving. where it fucking goes. It's processing. Yeah. There's so many different things that, you know, at first you're like 
gutted, you're sad and more so that, you know, maybe he was in pain and all that kind of stuff or he didn't deserve to go early or I felt guilty for feeling relieved and I mm. didn't understand that. I was 25, like, fuck, am I meant to understand that? But um, after a while, once it had processed a little bit and I didn't have the pressure of the house, that's when I was like... Uh, you just have to sit with it. Yeah, I was like, I'm not okay. And, this, you know, the dust settles, you, everything goes back to normal. And you're like, well, you know, I don't have my dad anymore and I'm not okay and I should probably stop taking drugs and <laughs> I should probably get my life together. And then you hear about like, I remember after that hearing about other deaths. So do you remember that Jess DJ girl that had died? Yeah, yeah. So she was on the street. She, so she was on Karen Up Road on a night that I had drove home. It's Christmas abs- Eve, wasn't it? It was the night before New Year's Eve. That's right, yeah. Or a few nights around there because I was about to have no, you're right because I had my birthday party a week early and my birthday's on New Year's Eve and the night before my – we're having the Pirates Christmas party. So I'm up at Swan Valley at Alex's house like absolutely – Leathered. Just not in a good good mental bloody state to be driving but I did because I was just – I kind of got a bit reckless after dad passed. No, you know, right. I thought I was invincible. I was mm-hmm. like, fuck it. And people say that might not be a good way to deal with stuff but honestly if i can help me like i needed that sense of release and and control and that that energy of of being around other people and just not being in that world of hospitals and stuff so that was a release but i drove home that night and um the next day i was getting all these messages being like hey are you alive and then I go, yeah, what the hell? And they're like, we just heard a girl, had a DJ had crashed on Karen Up Road and she'd instantly died. And I remember that being like, this is probably four months after dad had passed away. And I was like, wake up call. Like, I remember just like the day after my birthday, I just crying and crying and crying and crying. And then I just like slept on my housemate Shelby's bed, you know, Shelby Croucher. Yeah, yeah. You know, all my girlfriends somehow from something, they said they know. Anyway, I um, slept on her bed for four hours and she's a very like, doesn't like people in her space, <laughs> drooled all over her pillows because I was just so fucked from that before. Like turned her pillow over and was like, hey. <laughs> and then she goes, you need to sort your shit out. I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> And you need that sometimes. That thing of crying is the thing though. Like, like it's, it sucks because like, you know, you talk about like gender stereotypes of like women DJing and like we, we, you, you, took, you talk about things in that sort of sense. Like dudes crying is a fucking, is not something you're, it's not that you're trying to hide it from anyone, but you've just never really been, it's never been normalized. So when that shit happens, it's like, okay, there's a funeral so you can cry there. But if you don't, do it regularly or like as much as is warranted in that situation comes out it later just festers inside you and like yeah. and everyone was like oh you need to yeah you need to d- deal with it you know you said oh deal with that's not the that's not the way to deal with it or this is the way to deal with it or like are you talking to someone you go and speak to someone and you're like fuck do you know like, i know what the fuck do you know and i just get mad at people especially in that first part yeah. of it i was like you don't tell me how to like deal with this i'll deal with it in my own fucking way yeah like, and stop telling me that i'm doing the right things it's like i'm oh. here because i'm fucked and i don't know what to do and yeah and it was until you can actually i remember like i this fucking crazy phone call with my um stepmom dad's girlfriend stepmom um but we we're close like she's cool and i wasn't emotional or anything talking to her we were just talking and then we just were talking about one thing and it was like the weekend that he died which was fucking horrible and i just went like 
it was like a fucking exorcism. And this, was, this wasn't that long ago. Like this was like around that period where just before we started the podcast. And it was like, yeah, it, it was wild. Like it was like, it was, it wasn't like crying. It was like, it was like hyperventilating and yeah. just like, like I've never, even, it was completely involuntary. And I felt like. We almost say in your mind being like, what is happening? Yeah. Like why, why is this uncontrollable? Yeah. yeah it's like, how long is it? How long have I been doing this for? Yeah. Like it, it was very, very, very but strange. That's, but, but that's, that's trauma. Like, you realize that it's all yeah. it's inside you. And like, I didn't even know that was inside me. Like yeah. I knew that I needed to like deal with some shit. Yeah. But I didn't know how. I was like, if someone can tell me how the fuck to like <laughs> do this, I'll just do it because I'm just doing like, it's not like I'm trying to fuck. I'm not walking around going, yeah, let's hold this in. I'm just like, I don't, I have no fucking idea I don't think how that- to unlock what the fuck this is. But I know that it's, I know that I'm like, I, I, I don't feel anything. Like I don't yeah. feel anything about anything. And then after that, I was like, there was this complete freedom of just feeling alive. Like just it, not for long, but just for, for a bit. And I was just like, I, release. I felt, I felt like I just like let go of a bunch of shit and I don't, I don't let go of anything like thoughts wise but just to realize that there is like that flood of something in you that is just that can come out in that way it's like it's good that it came out on the phone and not at ikea you know (laughs) especially you can't get out of the the fucking place as well you're like (laughs) you just like fall into the bed and they're like excuse me you need to leave (laughs) and there's nothing more uncomfortable there's nothing more uncomfortable i realize which is sad because there's a society where we're all fucking like yeah, yelling at each other about being more compassionate. Like, there's nothing more uncomfortable for anyone than death. Oh, I know. Like, if you die, oh, like, if, you, if, if like your dad dies and you're, like, if it's no one's fault, but, like, you're trying to, you're just, like, oh, this is fucking crazy. And you kind of revert to what has happened before because what's my experience with this? You're, like, all right, well, I've seen movies and this is what happens. And yeah. There's that moment where they, like, I don't know, throw a rose on the grave or something and everyone hugs and then it's, like, over. it's beautiful and it's over and yeah. you just get on with your life and it's, like, fuck there's That's no fucking not there's nothing for this and you you kind of like you don't want to see people because you don't want to bring them down but then and whatever they say does not help yeah and it's not it's very it's awkward not fault, so it's yeah awkward. it's it's awkward death is awkward That's what but then is. maybe that's why we held in so much because i like at the funeral people crying and i was making jokes because i don't mm. i fucking hate people crying around me unless if, if it's about something that i'm involved in if someone's crying you know i'll sit down with them but this like mum was crying i'm like no dad wouldn't want us to cry today and like every situation i would avoid the topic and then just make jokes like i'm fine and yeah. i think that is what helps us fester so to a degree i do think because you're a male and society is still not quite at the point where, you know, if a man breaks down, there's still some stigma around you being like weak. So I do think that's an added thing. But I think one of the biggest things for what we went through is the fact that it was a traumatic fucking experience. Like it it sucks if someone just dies and you don't get the chance to say goodbye. So we had that blessing. But I fucking saw him deteriorate to nothing. Yep. You know, I saw my dad, who's a Greek proud man, couldn't even take a fucking shit. And on top of that, my stepmom being an absolute monster and putting him in a room with no, you know, was looking at a fence and stuff. So that's the shit that I was like, every now and again starts to fester in my head. Or I keep having these dreams where, like, it happens every few months where he's alive, but he doesn't want to see me. Or I'm trying to make the end of his days better and he doesn't want it and he won't talk to me. And that's when I wake up and, and I'll cry. I'll literally, I'll be so emotional all morning and I'm like, oh my God, it's just a dream. Like, stop. But it's this like, traumatic 
thing that is trying to still be processed. And I guess that's trauma. That's, you know, when things happen to people as kids and stuff, it pops up in weird, ugly ways when they get older because that's just how our brain handles it. Because if we were to handle it then and there, we'd probably kill ourselves. Yeah, there's no – you can't. Like your body goes into some sort of a shock where it just goes, we will do what we need to do. Fight or flight. I realized that for a long time, all I could do was work. For some reason, I could work, but I couldn't do anything else. Like, I didn't want to socialize. I feel bad as people around me, like, that cared about me a lot and I wanted to care. Like, you know, I did care and, and I, I did care about people, but I wanted to connect. But I just, I was just like, I, I, there is a whole fucking part of me that is completely gone and yeah. I don't know how to, like, and then after a couple of years, you're like, fuck, is this just who I am now? Or yeah. is it, does this come back? Like, that's why the, doing this is like. Helped you. Crazy. Like, like wildly. You have no idea. Well, you can, t- it's a, it's a safe space and it's designed for you to be able to just like talk about anything. Talk yeah, about. Yeah, but it's also like, it, it, it is, but it's, it's also public. Yeah. But it means that when you're saying shit and you're having conversation that. I don't know. It's, it, it's the attention. It's the, it's not the attention of people listening. It's like it's the attention of the people like we're having a conversation i've said it so many fucking times it's like you you don't have conversations like this Mm. or i don't have conversations like this very regularly because there's other things going on there's like people on phones or there's fucking well you've got places to be or i don't really have fucking two hours just to grab a beer with me because i'm known as dm tina not dmt (laughs) dnm because especially and it's been a couple years since i've uh, had md but if i ever did i was on the floor and someone was with me and i was not out of this thing for like two hours and everyone around me is like you just love a dnm and i and maybe Maybe it's uh, maybe I've always been like this. Maybe it's because of what I went through, but I just don't want to talk about dumb shit. Mm. Like I don't want to talk about things. I'm not a. I'm I'm like trying to be a more of a minimalistic person where I don't have all these things that are in my head and taking up my space. I really value and get a massive part of my stimulation and energy through having real life conversations and hearing about people's fucking issues because life isn't easy. It's like yeah, I want to. I muck around and I joke. Like I love to have the dumbest jokes. Like I have that side of me as well. But if, if a conversation with someone where they can actually talk about something that's been on their mind or, you know, it gets it out of them, it's like free psychology mm-hmm. as well as like if it makes you feel better, it makes me feel better knowing that we could connect on that level. 100%. And talking shit out, like not talking, like you don't go into things going, I'm going to talk about this and no. I'm going to feel better. You just start talking. You realize how you feel about shit in real time because you're hearing it. If you sit in a room, you know, we were talking last week about um, with um, author bro. Oh yeah, Tommy. With Tommy. And he was saying that um, he he's written his book and various different characters in it but he was saying about how um part of one of the themes was about people being so obsessed with self with with like who they are and who they who they want to be in life and like this constant self um i can't remember the term he used it was like constant self-reflection and um, self-analysis and not actually becoming not not actually being able to become someone because you're so caught up in like how who do i want to be before like who am i yeah okay and in in the same breath it's like when 
this is the first I've completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> I'm gonna leave this in here because this is bound to happen. What are we, 18 episodes I, in. I'm so and glad because it happened to me tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Must have blown off the energy. How did you get out of it? <laughs> Josh I saved me. <laughs> I didn't pick up on it. And I remember the thought later, but. Don't worry. Usually, see it just chop. Like Scott will be here, and then he'll be here. And continue. I've never gone. I've never gone all the way. Full blank. Yeah, I've done it too. It's such a fucking terrifying. You see thing. me doing like, this? Wait a minute. Hopefully, like, we can re-trigger it back. But yeah. I feel like there you go. We've spoken oh, for a while. I was just going to. Um, I was just going to touch on like the. It's interesting that for Scott that this being like eventually in front of cameras and having these conversations to the public was cathartic for him yeah. because as a culture, I suppose we're almost um, funneled into like therapy mm. as the answer for trauma and for talking it out. But I honestly think, and this is not, this is not me saying that I am of uh, exceptional intelligence, but I honestly think I'm too smart for a therapist. It's like, I know what they want to hear me say. And I, sabotage the conversation this is saying a lot about you exactly like <laughs> almost on purpose in order just to be able to get it done and get out and don't actually get any value from it whereas but this, that's where you have to let go you need to want to be there yeah because it's like it's like i could i thought i did i thought i did though yeah but that's but, probably it you yeah. probably didn't because you're still keeping up a wall right yeah. and it's very hard to let that go but i didn't get there. there you go you you've literally just made my point for me because we couldn't. I couldn't have come to that realization with her, mm. but you've now shed some light on my own psyche that mm. I hadn't known before, and it was in a conversation with with you guys. Because yeah. and your walls down when you're not on the spot, being like, "I'm going to get a whole hour of this person analyzing me and telling and me that I have looking some at her watch and thinking about the hundred and sixty dollars it's costing me." Did All you that- do CBT, that cognitive behavioral therapy? I spoke about doing it with the therapist, but I didn't go down that route like i think that like i did a, i did quite a bit of it of therapy and found it very very frustrating like it was good in some ways but what it did lead me to was the fact that just talking i i, I get a lot more out of like two three-way conversations than i do someone just sitting there while i fucking talk yeah and then saying some weird shit like well you know you just talk to a therapist and then they're like so what's your first memory of your mother? And you're like, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> I'm talking about the fact that I yeah. threw the coffee cup on the floor. <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's you just weird. had a like, shit therapist. I'm sorry. Yeah, I've, 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 had a, I, I've had a few. And I've had some that I didn't want to engage with. You know what I'm like? Mm. In the same way where I'm like, yeah, I'm showing up here. And then you start going. And when you're on your way there, you're like, well, why am I going if yeah, I'm not really that's fucking normal. putting it in? I also yeah. don't have the time to shop around for therapists. Oh, either. I just got lucky because yeah. I had a recommendation from my brother's wife. And I guess women, we are more inclined to open up. So my walls went up and I was at rock bottom. So I was at a point where like normal thought process to get day by day just was not happening. I would put myself down. I would get up. I wouldn't be able to like, you know, get ready and do anything. Like I was, and so I needed to reform in a different way. And it wasn't something that, cause I had had my friends there so much for everything else. It was just something I couldn't lean on them for. I needed an outside perspective where I knew I wasn't taking that home for me. And I had a great girl um, who was 10 years older. So she had been through a lot of the normal 
adulty kind of stuff. So, you know, she wasn't younger or she wasn't like too dated. And she just helped me come to realizations that I couldn't come to that would have taken me a really long time to figure out. So um, I think like I was even so low that I was listening to every thought that I was having. So if I said I was shit and I was an imposter, I would believe it. Mm -hmm. And it was because I had no mental strength at the time to think any otherwise. And I had just, it had sunk into like this like stupid cycle that was just hitting me lower and lower. And I needed someone to just like, pull me out and say these like really 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 obvious things that maybe your friends won't maybe your friends will be like oh you know we'll get better um you should try doing this be happy whereas she was like don't listen to every one of your thoughts you're being you're you're over catastrophizing or you're allowed to be upset why aren't you why aren't you letting yourself cry and i remember all of a sudden someone allowed me to be upset Mm -hmm. and then i just cried because i was like i'm allowed to be sad even though it's been a year and a half so that's where i found the help but i went back to her recently through the uh all the knockbacks with the shows like you know my dog got sick as well and it's cost me a lot of money and i'm just in a weird position financially because you know i might get a a lot of money and then I get no money and it's really hard to sustain so I had a lot of like elements in my life and it was the first time in a really long time that I didn't want to do anything this was probably like five months ago so I'd get up and I'd just sit there and be like I don't want to do anything and I was like fuck like I think I'm depressed again but I don't feel sad or um, maybe it was more anxiety than mm. anything but it comes on it's it doesn't it's it's not like you get depressed it like slow boil and you realize it's you're not feeling like, anything you're not it's not that you're sad you're just like I'm just nothing i'm unmotivated i hate everything (laughs) or like do i even have that emotion Mm. and i went and saw her again and this was just stuff that she couldn't help me with her advice was just not i was saying that i was struggling to be creative and all this other stuff and you know it was very you know oh maybe um you should try doing this to be creative with that and it just wasn't helping so i went and saw her a couple times and i was like nah like she could help me with the traumatic stuff but when it comes to -to day-to-day stuff that is new as well you know two years into COVID it's still a pretty new experience I realized that she couldn't help me and the only way I could help myself was to start uh having new routines so I was at a point where I wasn't motivated and then I was like well fuck motivation I need to be disciplined so Mm -hmm. I just had to bounce back onto that so I was like I'm going to show up into that and that was from listening to podcasts so I'm a massive podcast advocate I think listening to other people having conversations is really cathartic for me because I like getting outside of my own head and listening to other people, whether it's entrepreneurial or music or life or mental health and stuff. And um, he was like, uh, I think his name is Michael Brown. He was on the Anna Leno Create and Destroy podcast. Oh, yeah. Not to advertise another one through here. No, we, Sorry, guys. We, we pitch plenty of them. <laughs> okay, cool. But he was like, I show up every day and if I literally put a snare drum down and that's all I put into the universe – uh, that's all I do. I'll keep trying. If nothing goes anywhere, then I'll go do something else. I'll go for a walk, game, see friends, whatever. But I have showed up, made front and formed a new habit. And coming from a, like a person who struggles with routine, like like I, I've tried to get up the same time every day. It just, you know, I can only do so much with my equipped self. I found that if I just showed up to music in some form or another, didn't have to be at the same time, didn't have to be all the time, like, you know, every day. If I was at Lab 6 and I was working too late and I didn't have time, then great, like I didn't have time. But I'm at the point now where I just go to Lab 6 every day except for Mondays and sometimes on Saturdays I go. And even if I only have a couple of students, I'll go on the early, stand in the afternoon and I'll just work on music. And through this discipline, I've stopped being like either down on myself for not doing anything or the fact that COVID's still hitting us, I can't play all the shows coming up in Perth. I don't – I started to stop caring 
because I was like, well, I'm in the studio and I'm writing music and I'm still doing what I'm loving and I still get a roof over my head. And all of a sudden, instead of sitting there and feeling sorry for myself and letting my unmotivated self dictate how I was going to like plan my day, which had a ripple effect of me being like, oh, I didn't do anything today, so I feel worse. Okay, the next day I thought about that and it just would rinse and repeat. Mm. And then so I just turned it back formed a better habit and hopefully I can sustain it for a while. That's good. It, and that's that's what it's all about, man. Like, and I fail. I fail all the time. I'm on a really good run right now. I'm on like a three-week run where I'm like, Me too. This is really good. And I'm like, man, I can turn this shit around. This is but forever. Like, I'll have days where, which is, it's so fucking weird. It's, and I, I, I don't really explain it to anyone really ever, but it's like, because I think people get frustrated with you because they know you and then they're like, just, just like, why are you unhappy or why? And it's like, it's fucking not that. Like, it's like it's part of my soul just it seems, I'm like retarded. I'm a little <laughs> bit retarded. And I will come like, I'll get up on a day. That's how I feel about myself. So <laughs> hearing someone else say it, I'm like, I know. <laughs> but I can see the slips. I can see the slips. And I'm like, so I'll get up and I'll, I've been, like I said, I'm on a really good thing at the moment and I've got like a lot of good things in place, but I'll get up and and I'll take a little bit longer in the kitchen to like make breakfast than I was going to. And then I'm like, oh, fuck. It's like, I can't find a shirt to, like I, I can't find a shirt to wear and it's not that I don't have shirts to wear. Like I wear the same dumb shit every day. It's like, <laughs> but I'm like, okay, well, my fucking problem solving is, is broke. Like it's broken. Yeah. So I know that there's something wrong. And if I don't get a grip on it, like I've spent days where I'm lying like face down on the floor, like 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 with the side of my head on the floor looking at a fucking iPad. And and I I'm just like, I can't even get to the fucking fridge. And it's 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 like it's like you've been it's like a um what's it called? Uh, where you get um where you're asleep. And then you, like a night, it's not a night terror. It's not, like, yeah, night terror where you can't like move or you're frozen. Yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, that's like when you're half awake and half asleep. Yeah, it's like that, this realm. Yeah. Yeah. Sleep yeah. paralysis. Yeah. Sleep paralysis. It's like that. But while you're in it, you're like, why am I pretending that I, why am I pretending that this is happening? There's no one else there. I'm not doing it for any fucking attention. I've never spoken about it before, but like your mind just starts wigging out and it's like, why is this, why are you pretending that you can't get off the floor? And then you're like, oh, I'm fucking so mental. This sucks. Like, and then it, and then you just realize that like I started. I used to fight against it so fucking hard because it would happen every couple of months, and only for like a day. And then it would, and then I'd slowly. It, that get would back. be when I'd realize that I got there. Like something would happen. Like I, a friend died, and and I didn't really process that very well or like at all. And then I kind of realize you can start tracking it back and you're like yeah. oh that's the bottom and i got there by this this and this yeah so now when i feel that sort of stuff coming on i'm like all right well i don't give a shit about anything other than all you need to do today is exercise like you don't need to and, and you maybe only for 10 minutes like and i'll just yeah. go for a walk yeah and it's like because if you can do that while you're like this then you can do anything yeah and like has a ripple effect yeah and then trying to build routines around that and the problem is that i do and now like i'm on this really fucking healthy eating thing i'm like exercising i'm doing like i'm like checking in with a dude i'm like on the online like betterment thing and it's fucking great like i yeah. feel feel great about it but i know 
I know I'll be back there. Like I know that because I've got fucking depression. I know that yeah. that's, that that's what it is. It took me a long time to accept that. Like I got diagnosed. I was just yeah. like, but I know that I will be back there. And there's a like that's a guarantee. So I just need to go. Okay, well, what can I do to minimize that? And what can I do when I'm there to 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 get out of you know to be able to kind of not get out of it because you can't get no, out of it. But ride it. What what can I do to be like? Okay, this is happening. Let's just, you know, hello again. Let's chill the fuck out for a second and then move. Do you know what I found? Allowing myself when I'm in those moments, allowing myself to just go sit on the fucking couch. Like if it's like days in a row, it's like, Tina, get back to your discipline. Mm -hmm. But in that moment where I'm like, I feel like fucking shit today and I'm not in a good mental headspace. So I could probably go to the shitty and not deliver anything and be even worse. Or I can be easy and kind to myself and understand that I've had like a hundred knockbacks or whatever the reasoning is, or just that I feel crap or just that I'm on my period guys. Yeah, girls get that. <laughs> go sit on the couch and be easy on yourself. Don't feel bad about it because life is exhausting. Being ADHD does not fucking help because we have to like think through a hundred more other things to just to get from like A to B in the end of the day and actually um, undertake all the things that we wanted to do, which most of the time we don't. So I feel like that's like an added level of exhaustion. It is. It, it does add another level to it. And it's one of those things where it's like, I am also, I've always been someone that does shit. Mm. So I've, I hate excuses. I fucking hate excuses but so if, much. So if I'm you like, don't oh, have a break, I don't like, if I have a break, I bounce back 10 times faster. Yeah, I see, literally firsthand have have been like, yeah, I took a break one day last week, I think it was, and then next day I was on, like absolutely on. Yeah. Whereas usually it's like a three day, four day, then slowly I'm slowly like doing three things in the day, but I'm half assed doing it because I haven't given myself a mental fucking break to feel better. <laughs> that's yeah, and that's good advice. It's like literally just just taking that break and just going. I think it's in, it's it's similar. It's in the same way. It's like. You don't need to do shit, like so, because lying in that situation and yelling at yourself about it is fucking. Yeah, but if that's how you have out. to handle it, just like yeah. like you know, when you hit that point, land the floor and be like, "Fuck, <laughs> get it out of you," and then be like, "All right." Um, my first step in those situations is like, "What is easy?" Like you said, a walk that will make me feel better. Um, if it's good weather, I'll go down to the beach. Mm. Every time I go to the beach, I just feel ten times better. I know that's one of my like outlets. So I go do that or I might go see my mom or I do something that I wouldn't usually do on a work day that would make me happy. At the moment, it's Pokemon. I love playing Pokemon yeah. on Nintendo. It's just, it's a release. It's in a way I'm figuring things out. So I'm still using my brain. And then next next month, it might be something like, uh, I don't know, a different type of exercise, like going to Pilates or, um, you know, I'm learning a, a editing program and I actually don't put any pressure on that for video editing. So like I just play around with that or do something that's not, actually maybe music for me because that's my some days if I don't want to do it it's a job and I have to do it so when I'm in one of those moods I just try to go all right what's actually going to help me right now it doesn't always work though I'm preaching kind of fuck music no 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 because you're not preaching you're just explaining your circumstances like and it's not a science it's not an exact science you just gotta you just gotta do what it is at the time that's going to get you there like and Often, if that's sleeping, if that's if that's what it's going to be, but what the problem is, you fall into that trap where it's like, oh yeah, but one more day, but one more day, like you were saying before, yeah, you've got to maintain some sort of motivation in the discipline. Um, well, know. that's like the if I have that day that I've got, okay, today I feel like shit, I'm not doing anything. I might do like a couple of things, like clean the house, which is like mundane, but then next day I'm like, I'm going to be on. Mm. And, I, and I'm on because I just gave myself a break instead of forcing it, feeling depressed, even more depressed. Like I'll get more sad. I'll be like, oh, I tried to do something and I didn't. 
It's also but, really easy to judge yourself based on the outcome instead of the action. Yeah. So oh I feel like the hardest thing to do for me is to get up and then drive to the gym. I put the most weight. It doesn't matter what I do at the gym. I could get strangled out by fucking everyone. Doesn't matter. The fact that I got up off the couch, put my shit on, drove to Myrie and and arrived, that's the win. Yeah, yep, definitely. So true. That's a there's a book on this about like the reward of um like habitual doings. So um it says to start off small because even if it's like you get up and brush your teeth, you've signed off on this one solid habitual thing that then circles into the next thing. And so say the next thing is like, okay, now I'm gonna have my coffee, get ready for work. Um, maybe I'm going to, I like to journal sometimes. Maybe that's journaling in the morning. Oh, I did it today. So then it just keeps like falling into the next thing. So that's how people try to form habits. Like I said, ADHD is like really hard to stick Mm. to the same thing. You can easily derail that progress as well. Like I was saying before, by, by measuring success in an, in an action by the output. So if you're doing journaling or something, um, oh, I only wrote like fucking three sentences today. Doesn't matter. You the picked fact up that the pen. You picked it up, and yeah. and that's that's what you got to be measured on. And the fact that you're doing it all the time that that's great. Um, we, I think, as a society, put such a value on on outcome, mm-hmm. and that's you know for for better or worse, that's that's how it is. Yeah, but, it's really hard for creatives though, because like there's I could go into the studio and spend seven hours there and come out with absolutely nothing and that was a hard thing to learn was that some days you're not going to produce some days you might and it might be shit and some days it might be great and I used to judge myself in every single one of those moments like oh I didn't do anything today like I'm a failure imposter syndrome it is not good music is not good for mental health no no not any part of it no No, no wonder there's a 27 club you know (laughs) did you watch um there's a there's a thing with fat boy slim I watched this like YouTube thing. No. It's fucking crazy. I'm going to find it and I'll send it to you because it's so crazy. Because he was writing music on the like floppy disk, but it was like on the, you know, CRT monitor computers. And each of these discs has like a couple of songs on it. And he just pulls up this disc and he's like, oh yeah, this one in this session. And it was like a day. He wrote like the three biggest songs that he's ever written in a day. And they're on the same disc. <laughs> But he still showed up every other day. He didn't. Well, he write, had to show up the other days to then have that to day, have that right? day. Yeah. Or yeah, you would hope so. Well, I maybe think- that day was just like <laughs> the day. Well, <laughs> maybe I- he never did it at all and then just showed up that day to love those three songs. <laughs> well, the fact that those floppy disks were only three point six meg. How yeah, big yeah. must those songs have been? <laughs> would have been bad quality. <laughs> One megabyte. Yeah. Um, but that's with music though. So everything is is it's just like mastering your craft. Even if those seven hours don't have an outcome it's still adding those seven hours to perfect or take one step closer. So it could be a day of figuring out stuff that you don't like or an approach or a technique or you learn one new technique or Mm. you've jammed out like I've been using synths and modular synths heaps lately and I get lost in it for hours because I love just making sounds and not having the intent to record. And then at first I was like, well, this is going to be counterproductive to me making songs because I'm literally jamming for so long. But then when I really thought about it, uh, that I was like, I'm coming up with my own style through 
using a combination of my own synths and jamming out is allowing me to get better musically and I'm learning how to use the synth better and especially when you're patching and stuff that's a whole other world and when you don't know how to use something you're way better at it than someone that does half the time you know what I mean like yeah. you just make mistakes and you're like oh and that's oh, inspiring every one of my songs is a happy mistake exactly I actually have a quote that I said to a group class the other day and I was like I'm claiming this on my tombstone or however you claim a quote but I was like happy accidents are the vein of musical existence is it good true. i hope absolutely no one else has true. that no. <laughs> i was like claiming it that's two tina quotes we've got on yeah. this podcast what was the other yeah. one i can't remember but we'll, oh. we'll, we'll, we'll let me know it. i'm yeah. putting that in the uh, oh no yeah. life can be measured by the amount of uncomfortable conversations that's we have one. not yes. mine tony robbins oh fuck well, tony robbins the, it's, you now. it's not important he's he's that'd be like tina says in 10 years who's that yeah, I used to. I used to play a lot. Like I still do. Like, and I, I do have intent to put music out. But I've got, um, I've got a couple of synths, and I yeah, the prophet. Hey, had this yeah, and I, I had this rule where there's that Hemingway quote, which is like drunk, uh, write drunk, edit sober, and it's so true for like creativity, where you go and like I would just hit record and then just play with. I'm not even like not on a click, not on anything. Just hit yeah. record and just play. Because you can just you just get lost in it completely, and you're not you're like, thinking about how it's going to work with some other sound, or yeah, and it's not a song, it, it's yeah. not on a chord bed, it's not on anything. And then I wouldn't even fucking necessarily. I would be interested enough to keep going with it for like like an hour, and then I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch TV or I'm going to do whatever. But then I would everything that I ever do musically is like it's a little note to my future self because yes. everything I've ever done that I've done well. I've found the project or found the voice note or found something and never heard it before. And you, you just listen to it and you go, oh, when the fuck did I do that? And you're like, this is great. Yeah, but it's not a fully for It's not yeah. anything. So it's like it's, it's just talking into voice notes or it's recording. Um, yeah, just recording the straight into synth. the thing. And it might be like a 20-minute bit of synth. and then, But there will be a day where you pick that up and you like chop it and screw it or you – grab a tiny little bit of it like in that then it forms a fully fledged idea yeah like that disappears on the whole thing was built from a little one tiny little glitch in one of those little uh rolling boutiques that someone had lent me and it's like that sparks the idea and when the idea is there you're like oh i'm done like i'll just go now like I've, I'm, I've, I've got the song whereas you can sit there for hours being like hoping the idea is going to come yeah you just need to kind of trick yourself into it sometimes i think that's the good way of putting it because if you're in the mode of just say recording something in or you're doing something like after listening to it for a while you're like is this even good mm. and then you get as soon as you get into analytical judgment mode you're not gonna write so i know as soon as i get into that mode especially if it's a new idea i step away like, i'll listen to it in a few days and see if it's any good and then when you come back in a few days or in that case like a couple months maybe it's full objective and you listen to it and you're like oh actually whoa this is like really good and then you've got this newfound love for it but you're not creating it then and there so you start on the next step so then you're not spending so much time on one idea because i feel like that i'm not sure if it's the same for you but my creative flow and this probably relates to a lot of different types of creative work it's a very minimal block it's sometimes lucky to get up to five or six hours i usually can't get past that otherwise i'm butchering the idea yep. um sometimes it's an hour sometimes i'll be playing with a chord progression for an hour and i just don't have anything else to put out because it's exhausting yep. like being creative is 
fucking exhausting. So if I'm not feeling it, I save it as like, I have like a chord project file or drum beat and bass. And then I just go back to it. Like if another day, if I'm not even, when I'm not feeling creative, but I want to work on something, I'll just go back through these loops and I'll be like, oh, that was, that was a good one. And so now I've started getting into the thing of like actually exporting the demo into a folder. Yeah, I, I won't do the name same it. Thing. Don't name it. I, I just I go one, two. SoundCloud on private. Yeah, and then I just be in the car and I'll just be like, "This is March," and you just play stuff, and then you're like, oh, "Okay, cool." And then you get an objective point of view, especially if you listen to it next month. And it is a numbers game. So um, if you have two ideas that you've been working on for say the last month, and you're like, "Well, I'm tr- really trying to get these two ideas to like finished product," but if you've written fifty ideas. Well, that like so say the t- the first two ideas that you've written that you're trying to finish like those are your good two ideas but if you've written 50 ideas there's going to be two fucking great ideas in them mm-hmm. so that's why i try not to get too fixated on you know trying to finish stuff because if you actually just have a bunch of ideas to choose from we'll give it a break for a minute go back to them you can you can hear magic you know when you there's something that's good like the tracks i got coming out are tracks that i'm like so proud of and i feel it i know it i can show it around and they feel it and they know it but i didn't need that i had that you already knew it yeah yeah so i found that that system took me a really long time to figure out and that was through listening talking to other producers and stuff and being like i hate everything that i do how do i fix this and persistence like showing up every day and exactly. doing it. i don't do that because i design things and like i have other interests and i like i want that passion back to be able to do it do I like sit there me? and look, look at things sometimes in my house. Like I'm like, there's a sink sitting there. I'm like, you should really be playing that. And I'm like, oh, now this is just a fucking ornament. This is, this is just like a thing that's just mocking me while I'm do on the you, couch. Do you collaborate much? No. Collaboration in the last couple of months has been the biggest, biggest thing for me. And it has that as well as my own discipline. Um, but being around uh, other like-minded people and just jamming out on synths for ages and actually jamming with other people has been everything to my inspiration coming back so finding someone just to come over and play with the synth in a way that maybe you wouldn't or approach music in a way that you wouldn't that's the stuff that gets you rejigged and if you're working on something with someone without the objective of trying to finish it you start you don't have that um inhibition that goes oh this isn't working what are you doing this is shit i don't know like fuck shut the fuck up like you have you, you go do that oh, cool you move on you it's be, like you you're outer avenues, right? yeah, yeah. You, you're you're outer you're not inner you're not you're not just with your own mind so yeah if there's one recommendation for that that i felt as well as i like, having a good mental headspace but more than anything like 90 percent of the reason why i love music again is through collaboration which i've just been having with people at lab six because we've got that space that's now. sick i've got so, keys i just never use it you should come in one time. Yeah. We jam every Friday all day in um, the Blue Room studio and I only ever have like a shit in the morning and then sometimes on the weekends. So sometimes I go in on a Sunday and I'll just literally, it's just jamming. So it's like Man, we're I'm not. so keen. I mean, so keen. Because we've got um, the modular synth there now, which is like the Moog sub harmonican and we've got the grandmother. And, and Jeremy just bought the. The. the Juno 106, which is amazing. I played on it today and I was like, whoa, sounds so much better than I thought it was going to sound. It's so like rich and textured. And you're like, I'm in Tammy Parlor now. Yeah. Crazy. But literally, like, we in my room, we have three stands and there's the MIDI controller on the top and the push. And then it's like, uh, there's a um, modular synth, there's the Korg Minilog, and then there's the Grandmother Moog, and then there's like a full modular kit that's being built. 
Um, and that stuff's fun. When you start patching, like I don't really know what I'm doing just yet. I'm starting to learn and, and understand it a bit more. But the sounds, when you start patching synths and stuff together and, you know, you got one person doing something over here, one person doing something over here. Like I was like, well, this sounds so sick. And I went back and listened to it and I was like, well, the timing was so off on everything. But In the there's, moment, yeah, there's something there. But without the intent to record, like that's never been something that I've done. I've been an in-the-box producer for as long as I've known. And now all of a sudden I've got this like newfound loves for since and not having the intent to be oh this has to be a song that i do today and if i don't the outcome's not there i feel shit instead i'm like oh just gonna jam out and it's made me one be more confident in in actually just playing the keys in front of other people because i'm not i'm not classically trained or i don't have that experience through growing up so it's all taught in the last eight or nine years of doing music but i i know how to you know write and key and and write chords and stuff like that so to do that against another bit of sound that someone else is doing in, in real time it's it's awesome like i didn't think i could do it and i was nervous when we first started i remember saying to jeremy i was like how do you uh jam without recording I'm like, this is weird and it took me two hours to unwind as soon as we did all of a sudden i was there till like five o'clock it was four hours late, later and i was like did we record any of that and he's like we've been recording some of it and i went back and listened through and i was like there is some wicked ideas here and we might just sample some of it that's not actually usable and then the rest we might just redo and turn into a song but pff, i don't really care let's see that's yeah that's awesome that sounds like the right way to do it for sure yeah yeah i'll hit you up for a little jam sesh i'm definitely keen now that we got all the gear we bring jeremy in one time so have you got anything teed up for um for like now when shit's starting to open what's your um so, what's your plan um i've got a release on the 22nd of april and this song in particular we've held off for probably like nine months because it's probably one of my more solid tracks that's definitely going to be um good for clubs but but great for radio it's just that type of song that's more accessible has a top line on it it's one of my most proud songs as well um as well as the one that's coming out later in the year so the fact that i'm releasing this is like a huge like oh my god like i hope it starts trickling and and rippling because i notice every time i put out a song it does and when i don't do something for a while it's like i'm in this little like hit um so we're really prepared for it as well we have everything ready to go which is more proactive than we've ever been and i've never had a track coming out with another one and another potential one like ready to go so then today we're talking about tour dates so i've got um adelaide locked in in july but snow machine in september so um we're just getting as much shows as we can in between yeah first international show should have been bali two years ago (laughs) should have been fuck um so nz's way more of an international show than i think so so i was like snow machine would be great and it's uh four days of free accommodation ski gear food and alcohol so and yeah i was i so uh, the the feed just covers my flights but i was like i don't care i can't go back and snowboard in japan so maybe i'll go to that yeah you should definitely do a do podcast with um like a special well, we're doing that at the moment we're going to melbourne um in april 22nd to the oh, 20th my release day <laughs> oh, <laughs> we'll, we'll spruik that shit in yeah. Melbourne. Yeah. yeah do it yeah jack our friends um fighting over in melbourne um is muay thai no mma to retain oh, his uh lightweight championship yeah so we thought we'd go, go over support and see friends that we haven't seen in ages sounds amazing well at least more than happening more than what's happening now in perth yeah Shit. and we're gonna go we're gonna try and get a couple of podcasting while we're there with like people that we know over there yeah yeah so that's and it's just a good reason for us to get away and like i've been on a plane since mid 2019 wow it's wow. fucked. I've I've been on a plane. 
I had a really bad experience coming back because yeah. my flight went through Melbourne and Melbourne was like a uh, high risk, no, low risk, but still oh, I had no idea that the stopover flight was going to mean that um, I would have to isolate. So I got off the plane. So I've, I had my headphones in and I could hear something about having to isolate 14 days and I was like, what? And I had my first body control show 12 days after getting home. Oh. So, and I had a festival two days later, which the festival didn't, they didn't go, it ended up, everything went to lockdown anyway in that week in July last year. And then, um, so anyway, I've landed and I was like, surely not. And then I'm walking up and there are full cops everywhere. Um, so you got to fill out this G2G pass and I didn't know about that either. I was like, team, you need to be more on top of this. And they're like, we didn't know WO was so fucked. Like we did, we're not like this over here. I was yeah. like, fair enough. And they were changing the rules every fucking day. So Yeah. And there's only, you know, so much we keep on top of. And then so what, you walk out, you get like a, a temperature set test you then you go because i didn't have my gtg pass i had to download it sign in and like the the details and stuff is insane and then you've got to like log your trip and i was honest about where i went where my flight was in and everything i didn't want to you know fuck around and i had been to brisbane as well as canberra as well as melbourne so i was like i'm gonna have to lock down and then i um yeah and then i went to the cop and then they were like yeah you definitely have to and i go but my flight literally stayed in melbourne for 20 minutes i was on the same like that never happens. You, you didn't get another. off the plane. I got off the plane for them to clean it and I literally sat out because it's exactly the same plane and that never happens. Usually you go to another spot, yeah. it's another flight. So anyway, I, I walk out and then there's this like something's happening and they're calling fire wardens. Like maybe someone's trying to, I don't know, something hectic was happening, but something. you just hear these like crazy sirens and stuff and then I'm trying to go get my stuff and I just start crying <laughs> like hysterically. Hysterically, and I'm in public and I hate crying in front of people and I'm just like <laughs> and then like I just like call my friend Courtney and she just make me laugh so I was like over it in like a minute so I'm like thank we god sure and you had a fucking yeah I couldn't even handle it at that point I was oh just like god. trying to get the fuck out of there I was like what is happening it was just so okay I've never been at an airport so chaotic and I was like we really are an apocalypse right now like <laughs> you know the world's like fucked and like catastrophizes as you do and then um yeah I walked out called my team and they're like you're fucking kidding and then the next day when we went to email um the venue and say hey like the you know main artists can't come they were like um oh i think we're going into lockdown anyway and all of a sudden we had like one case well two cases or something and then we went into full lockdown so i just blamed it on that not me but i couldn't leave the house at all for 14 days and i had emo and lucille what's not staying with me so i i was calling them because they were coming that night and i was like guys like i'm in lockdown i'm pretty sure you can still come we just can't share the same toilets and i'm meant to stay in my room which like <laughs> but then we've got four people staying in our house and you know you got like three producers there as well so he's leaving to go to shock one studio um he's using it all weekend and monday is when carl's at lab six and then um it ended up being like nobody was allowed to leave unless it was essential work and then my partner as well could not um leave the house so the four of us and like you know you're older you know it's like my space is my space yeah. the four of us are stuck in this house so we're trying to like do work and not step on each other's toes but then we ended up just drinking champagne and watching anime <laughs> drinking wine and watching anime and because they could leave the house so they were cooking for us and i was like this ended up being like a nice little holiday that's sick. while i was trying to postpone my show postpone like the festival stuff and all this it was that was a bit stressful but i think if it's taught us anything like this whole period is like life fucking goes on right like it's yeah. shit everyone's plans can be turned to shit everything's been turned upside down but 
you still find a way to live and, yeah. and do things and still have fun and drink yeah. wine and watch anime. Like. <laughs> well, I got to play in Canberra, like really. Oh, it, my God, life highlight. <laughs> I just mean I got to play a show out of Perth <laughs> yeah. in 2020. And Did you see Carl got COVID? Was it Canberra? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was Canberra. He's like, well, go to Canberra once. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel bad because he's got like a fresh newborn. Yeah, Which, by I the know. way, I work with Kyle and I didn't know Asha was pregnant until I listened to you. <laughs> I got to work and I was like, Kyle and Asha are pregnant. And they're like, yeah, they do soon. But then a few weeks later, they had a baby. And I was like. That's because it was their second. Yeah. The first everyone exciting. talks about the second. They're but like, was, oh, we're just having another one. I was doing one-on-one lessons with him and stuff. So I was like, how the fuck. He wasn't pregnant. <laughs> I'd hope not. I mean, I wish that males could get pregnant. Yeah, that's something your you body can change. Put on as yeah. We definitely win. We definitely win in that regard. Yeah, hundred percent. You don't. You know, you get. You don't have the once a month hormonal change. Yours is your home. I only learned this recently, and everyone should learn this. Your home hormonal change is daily. So your testosterone is super high in the morning and then it deflates in the night. It's probably why you're so tired, Josh. Yeah, no Women, shit. it's a four-weekly cycle. Yeah, four-weekly cycle. So it's like they call it winter, autumn, summer, and spring. So really? don't be around us in – usually winter when it's all happening, it's fine. But autumn is when we're like all of a sudden our estrogen drops down, but it's not like a nice fall. It's like this. So that's why we get super temperamental and uh, progesterone starts to – spike which means that our body's preparing to have a baby even though we're not we're not actually got fertile we're not fertile so because your body still prepares in that two weeks it's crazy i learned i learned about this on a podcast nice (laughs) it's so much education i'm fascinated by this i know well no i reckon that should maybe we like when i was in school or something that wasn't uh research that had been done yet but i think that's something that all girls or maybe i just didn't listen because i was really bad (laughs) <laughs> got ex- expelled a bunch of times and, yeah so maybe that was why but no i reckon we should be getting taught that because if i had knew a little bit more about why i was the way i am <laughs> aka bash it crazy maybe i'd have a better relationship with myself <laughs> maybe my boyfriends at the time i could be like hey this is why <laughs> just this week of the month just stay away from yeah, me so i'm gonna airbnb from like week two to three <laughs> and never be around me in the morning like <laughs> No, like, on the day, I'm like, no, I need you. <laughs> but like, I'm a super independent woman. Like, I don't even like cuddling and stuff too often. And then on the day, I'm like, I need love. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't seem crazy at all. You seem very switched on. And I'm pretty stoked to hear the music as it comes out. Send me a, yeah. send me the, the link. Yeah, we'll do. Send you guys if you want to hear we'll it We'll be before. in Melbourne raging in an Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> love it. And um, yeah, we'll definitely jam. I'd be so fucking keen. Yeah, I'll definitely hit you up. Anything yep. else you want to plug or are you here for the people? Um, Tina says on Instagram. Yeah, go give us a follow. I'm not on that often. Her, right? <laughs> she loves posting. <clears throat> Just go listen to music on Spotify. We'll post Come to all, my shows. We'll post all your links. <laughs> we'll post more. Get you, uh, get you across Co- our following, which is enormous. Yeah, <laughs> getting very close. So you have a couple of new ones though. Getting very close to 500 followers. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck yeah, so guys. good. Woo. I'm getting your adverts now. <laughs> I followed you, then started getting your adverts. Oh, I, I did like, that. Oh. I was on the toilet the other day and I was like, I'm going to fucking put $70 on this. I put $70 on a post for three weeks. To be Shit. honest, it did, does make you seem more professional. That's mental. But then you start listening to it and you're like, well, they're not yeah, professional. They're not professional. <laughs> Clearly not. Hey, thank you so much for coming on. No, it was a really great chat. And number two female. So you're like in... Th- 
the top five now. Awesome. By the way, I know Mel. Do you? Yeah. yeah. She did one of my first photo shoots and I oh, see her at every wedding. Fantastic. Legend. Man, we've got two Absolutely. real good real good guests. I know. Uh, it's like the next one's got a lot to live up to. So. Oof. Setting the bar high, Tina. We come back. We'll talk when like when the music's out and stuff. Anything to promote. Cause, yeah, for sure. Yeah, thank you so much. Been no, really thanks good for having me. thought it was good. Awesome. Cheers. Go Club Good. <laughs> <laughs> Club good. 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 Club good.